It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away, back, goal. Go, Hayes. It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live. We've been off for a few days. We got a ton to talk about. Exciting times in the A's world, baseball world. Ton of info. Happy pitchers and catchers. It's a day where people show up finally for work and we get happy. But for us here on A's Cast, it's bigger than that. Why this day is actually special for the commander night. By the way, how was Vegas? You all right? You you, you intact? Everything? We we survived. Your Cut. liver's okay? Are you broke? Uh, Are you married still? Still married. Uh, liver's fine. Uh, cutting drinking off for a little bit. Um, saw the Golden Knights play in their arena, T-Mobile. Fantastic show. I don't care about the game. Fantastic show what they do there in Vegas. Uh, every everything they do, they're sponsored by someone. Uh, the halftime, the intermission yeah, report brought to you business. by business. It was just incredible. The show, the pageantry, everything was great. Yeah. Uh, watched the Super Bowl at, at a beer Haas right next door there. We didn't have to go very far. We stayed at the Park MGM, so we're literally across the street from T-Mobile. Great time. Uh, no no drama, no disasters. Remember when uh, everybody used to crap on Vegas about how professional sports won't work there? Yeah, well. H- has it, everybody that I know goes to Raider games say it's awesome. So you're saying the hockey's awesome? Oh, it's fantastic. I think it's going to work out, yeah, for sure. I mean, I know that's a sensitive topic in our in our world, but we'll just go from the NBA standpoint. There's going to be an NBA there team there's very very soon. Um, but this is a special day for us. By the way, this just got me thinking right here. So you know when you're when you're got young kids, they put your kids on the mug, and it's so sweet. Right? Twins are young there. Yeah, this is when my kids were sweet, not teenagers, and they're teenagers now. That doesn't play anymore. But why this is a big day for us, because this is kind of like, um, you know, everybody wants to celebrate pitchers and catchers. Everybody's the MLB Network's doing their thing this morning. I was watching it. But for us, this now means we got something to talk about. Let's be honest. We go a whole offseason trying to figure out, and I think we do a pretty damn good job, of topics and stay interesting and everything that's going on in our sport. We'll throw some football in there because we know how much everybody cares about football. 
But now we don't have to make anything up anymore. Those days are over. We now have actual human beings getting in uniforms, showing up to work, and, man, it's day one, and there's already storylines. Already, Jacob deGrom can't take the mound. <laughs> uh, the biggest news, are you sitting down? Are you, you, you're going to be okay with this? Aaron Judge took ground balls at first base today. Even though it's pitchers and catchers, Aaron Judge took ground balls. He was there. Former first baseman. Are you okay with that? Uh, yeah, but I read the quotes. It's not going to happen. So Juan don't, so, Soto is going to be the left fielder for the Padres. You left out the biggest Yankee news of them all. What, did, what, what Yankee news did I miss? I have the audio. Do you want me to play the audio? Not yet. Okay. Frankie Montas, oh, yeah. shoulder surgery. They're hoping best case he's back by the late in the season. Or he could be out the entire year. Oh, that's not good news out of Yankee Camp Day One. Nasty Nestor also hurt. That is uh, that yeah. is actually sad news for our man Frankie Montas, who we uh, will be rooting for. JJ Blade, new outfielder for the Athletics, is going to join us at one thirty. Jim Callis from MLB.com. Let's find out about some of our young guys and talk about minor league systems and teams that are banking on these systems to compete this year because somebody will. You're going to have the big dogs, and the big dogs will be there, but somebody will compete. Somebody will get the wild card. Somebody somebody who Pagoda doesn't like right now. Oh, their projections should be out soon, by so, the way. Somebody, somebody that people are saying that team's got no chance will be in the hunt, so we'll get into that with Jim Callis. I want to start the show. There's two things I want to get into. And knowing that I'm probably going to get long-winded on this one, I'll save it. But I just want you to know that today I feel for Cody and I and this show and hopefully for a lot of our loyal listeners, watchers out there, that this show has been vindicated. We've been vindicated. If you've been following the last couple days, it's kind of like I'm glad that you went to Vegas and, and had fun. Did your wife get the bet in? She did not. But we had plenty of time. Yeah, but you had the app. You could do it right then. I can sell on the app and do it on the phone. You can't do it here. Once you're here, the geofencing's off. Oh, well, we'll still figure it out. You didn't know that? Uh, no, I'm not a. I'm not that kind of guy. It's not my realm. W- what do you mean you're not that kind of guy? I, I don't dabble into the uh, betting. Are you a voter? Um, yes. We just voted this down in California. Oh, I know that, yeah. So why would you think if we voted sports gambling and gambling down – and being able to have an app like they do in Vegas, that all of a sudden you could take your app from Nevada and come to California and use it. I've seen, I've had friends use both. Was it Bovada? Is that still a thing? Remember Bovada was still a, a thing. Yeah, people. My friends here would use that to bet on basketball and football. You technically, if she goes to her app that you used in Nevada, it will not work here. Oh, it's okay. We'll still figure it out. All right. So, yeah, with all the rule changes. And upholding some rules, we will get into that, and I feel vindicated today because this is something that we have harped on now for years of things that need to be changed, and it's official. I, I, I think it's ridiculous that people will actually sit here and say that the runner in extra innings is bad in regular season only is bad for baseball. I will give you data that says you're wrong. Position players pitching, awful for the game. 
We're changing that. We harped on that over and over and over. So we'll get into that. Shifting, pitch timer. We're now actually going to start calling rules the way they should be called. So for the guys that get on the mound and they tap, 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 you can't do that. You can't rock any baby. You can't You can't do that on the mound. We're going to start calling the game. We're going to make new rules to make the game better, and we're actually going to enforce old rules to make the game better. That is for me, is outstanding, and it vindicates all these shows that we did where we were sitting here saying, this needs to change, this is not good, this is what we got to do, it's better for our game, and I think some people might have said, I don't change anything, I keep it the way it is. It's like, no, you're wrong. All this stuff that they're doing will be good for baseball. We'll get into that. But I want to start the show with the guy we're having on today at 1.30. I am not down with every move. If you're a loyal listener to this show or a loyal watcher to this show, a loyal listener to the post-game show, I'm not down with every move. Just it is what it is. Never have been. You know, a lot of people who are in my position, an organization can do anything, and they're going to be like, this is great. This is, this is the greatest thing ever. I don't do that. And you know that. That's the trust that I've built up with you over the years. You know if there's something I see and I don't like, and what's cool about it is people inside the organization understand. There's a confidence that the A's front office has that they understand not everything that they do, people are going to love. But they're not insecure, they're not vindictive, and they're not going to go, I can't believe someone disagreed with us. I mean, the funniest thing ever is when we had Billy Bean on the field and Billy Bean goes, hey, how'd that Donaldson trade work out? <laughs> I mean, he was making fun of it. It was his trade. He made fun of it, right? So that's one of the cool things about working for the A's. And you know, I already told you I didn't like the Cole Irvin deal. I already told you that. I didn't like it. I still don't. Cole Irvin, guy that had a chance to give you 30 starts, 200 innings, at least 185. That's always knock on wood, everybody stays healthy. And to me, it would have been a great flip piece at the deadline. If he pitches well, we got our game start what, March 27th? Our first game is March 30th. March 30th. So he would have pitched March 30th. So if he pitches well, March, April, May, June, we're heating up, right? Next thing you know, what happens? Guys get hurt. Pitchers get hurt. And here you are in July, heading to the training deadline, and you got Cole Irvin who's giving you starts and innings. That's like one of the most valuable things you can have now in baseball. A guy that takes the ball every five days and gives you innings. That guy, no matter really what his numbers are, that's value. I think, or I thought, I still believe that you could have flipped him at the deadline for something. More than the guy that we got, I've even forgotten his name. Daryl Hernays? Hernays, yeah, Hernays. I think it's Hernays. I think he's like our... 16th. I he's an A-ball guy. He's yeah. an A-ball guy. He was not even one of their top 10 prospects, right? No, he was like 16 or something. Yeah, so I mean, I I think what, so I, I said that, but we move on. So I just want to clarify, I don't agree with everything. I do agree with this trade of A.J. Puck for J.J. Blade. And actually, it could work out to be a steal. It's a gamble that I would take. It's actually, to me, when you look at it from a baseball standpoint, if you understand our path, right, 
David Force, the general manager of the A's, is great when he comes on the David Force show. He's great about saying, whatever you give me, I'm going to make work. Whatever the A's tell me I can spend, whatever the A's tell me that I can do, whatever Major League Baseball sets the rule as, David keeps it simple. And he said that because if I'm always honest and I'm always simple, I never can be caught in a lie. (laughs) It's like true. Yep. I mean, David is the most honest guy I think I've ever dealt with. I mean, you ask him, he tells you the answer. And he says, hey, the team's going to tell me what we can do, and I go out and do it. So the path that they're on now, this is not the same path of, let's say, 2013 or 2014 or 19 or 20. or This is a different path. So the path we're on now, this deal totally makes sense. A.J. Puck, it is feared and has been feared that if he is a starter, he's a career rehab guy. Can't stay healthy. And the fact that you got, what, 62 appearances? Yeah. The fact that you got 62 appearances out, I'm like, oh, my God, really? He is what he is. He's in his late 20s now. He is what he is. And so you're, you know he wants to start. His people are telling you he wants to start, and you're like, well, every single time he starts, he gets hurt, and he becomes a career rehab guy. And also, if you're a team – that just lost 102 games, relief pitching? What are we talking about? And, and, and think about this, too. And I'm not trying to degrade A.J. Puck, but what was my goal for A.J. Puck in the postgame show? Do you remember for the callers? Just to pitch and not get hurt. There you go. Stay healthy. I don't care about the numbers, but now we're going to care about the numbers. A.J. Puck protected early in the season – Always pitching when the team was behind was lights out. He got down to like a 0.7-something ERA. He was, uh, yeah, lights out, uh, lethal, whatever you want, whatever acronym or vernacular. But you're pitching in games that you're down three, five. He's just coming in getting outs. Then all of a sudden, once he got better, what happens? The A's start putting him in situations where the team's now winning. And his ERA jumped well past three. I want to say ended up pretty good, though, at 312. So you look at the overall numbers, and you say, wow, those are really good numbers for A.J. Puck. But if you know where he started when he was pitching in games that didn't matter, to then really, I mean, you lose 102 games, how many games really matter? But when he started pitching with the lead or games that were close, his numbers completely shot up. ERA went into the ones, the twos, into the threes. So... Mission accomplished, he didn't get hurt, but how great was he as a reliever? This he can be Josh Hader, I, I, I'm not buying it. And then now you have the opportunity to move on to a younger player who was the fourth overall pick in the draft, a top five pick in the best conference in college baseball, one of the best programs in baseball. We call it the factory, Vanderbilt, because of all the players that are getting drafted, going to the big leagues and the minor leagues. If you are the number four pick out of college, can't always say this about high school, because high school, some people might say, eh, the competition wasn't so great. You know, it's like like back to the Trout thing, like who's coming out of New Jersey? Teams teams didn't even want to go see Trout because they already know. Kid's not playing against anybody. Eh. 
too much of a hassle. Not coming out of the SEC. You dominate the SEC. It's the best college baseball conference. It's playing at Vanderbilt. We've talked about their technology, everything they do with their players. You're talking about a well-schooled player. And if you're taking number four, that means you are at the top. You may not be number one, but you are the top of every team's draft list. There's 30 teams. If you are the fourth pick, I guarantee you are at least top 10, probably top five as they evaluate. They know, like, if you're picking 15th or 20th, you know you're never getting this kid. But you still rank the players. Every team ranks the players on their board. He's top five probably on everybody's board. Yeah, he was. Um, he was great at Vanderbilt. I mean, a lot of guys, I mean, I mean, a lot of guys that come under Vandy anymore are going to be projected to be high picks. I mean, the kid this year was a Spencer Jones. They comp was there, Aaron Judge. But Bolade was a guy that everyone loved coming out of Vandy because he was a left-handed hitter. And, I mean, I liked him. I mean, I'm, I'm no scout, but I liked him coming out of Vanderbilt. I watched some Vandy games back then. I did. I watched a few. I watched college baseball. Maybe the College World Series or the games I go to in person. I'm going to a game. I'm going to see San Jose State that play ha- on Monday. That has nothing to do with Vanderbilt. Because you turn on ESPN for the College World Series, and they have all these guys playing, and all their guys are hitting 300, and all their guys are good. You specifically saw this guy and went, I like this guy. I said future Hall of Famer. You sound like all those bozos (laughs) in football who go, you know, you turn on the tape. Oh, really? So when you're watching a Big Ten game, Indiana versus Minnesota, the right guard for Indiana, you watch that game and went, that guy's a road grader. That guy's that guy's playing on Sundays. He's a great pancake block guy. You lie. All you people <laughs> who act like you know everything about the minor, you're all lying. Anyway, but we love you because we need people like you. We need people who act like they know it all. But I know deep down you didn't tape the game, watch every <laughs> at-bat, know who the hell he was when he was drafted. Anyway, think about this. He is one of these kids that he's drafted. Bring up his minor league stats. He's drafted in 2019, fourth overall. So what happens when you're fourth overall? Well, number one's got a sign, two's got a sign, three's got a sign. That's just how it works, right? You're all slotted, and then you're going to head to – where did he head to? He went to uh, – Short season what? Jupiter, high A. He went straight to high it's, A? It's in Florida, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's right here. That was his first, oh, out of yeah. – okay, so – he goes, he only gets in how many games? Uh, 38. So he's playing 38 games. Follow me here, folks. You get drafted out of Vandy. You wait to sign. You sign. They ship you off just to get you some at-bats. 38 games, 2019. That's normal. Hell, you're lucky to get some games. So some guys hold out, want more money. He signs, got 38 games in. Then what happens? COVID. COVID happens. His first real season. So he goes through an offseason. And we're going to ask him about this in nine minutes. You go through your first season, your first offseason. You're getting your body ready. You're getting mentally ready. This is it. You're the number four overall pick. Your first year of minor league baseball. Your dream, your life, your future is right in front of you. The world is your oyster. And bang, COVID happens. And what happens? All these kids get sent to a camp, essentially. 
Like we had all our guys with all our coaches down here at San Jose Muni where the San Jose Giants and San Jose State play. You get sent there, and all you do is practice. You lose a full year, a full year of your career gone. And this is his first year. It's his first year. Wiped out. They weren't playing nine-inning games. They'd play five innings. Whatever they had pitching-wise, a lot of instruction. Great for instruction. Great for fundamentals. You're not playing. You're not traveling. You're not on the road. You're not getting better mentally. You're not learning how to play in real games. You're not playing against competition. You're not playing against different guys. There's something. There's things that you have to do to learn to become a good pro. And he was stripped of that. I'm not making excuses, but this happened to all kinds of guys. When you spend the entire year at the alternate site, you're not getting better as a pro. So he loses his first year. So now 2021 is now his first year. And do we ever do we ever truly judge a first-round pick on whether he's a bust or not on his first year? No. No. What was his first year? Uh, he played in Double A in Pensacola. So he immediately goes to Double A. By the way, yeah, this guy basically has only played in Double A and Triple A. It's not like he went to A ball. He only got thirty eight games in A ball. He immediately goes to Double A, and then last year Triple A. Go ahead. What do you do? One hundred ten games. He hit two twelve with twelve home runs, fifty four runs driven in, and a six ninety five OPS. Okay, so getting his feet wet. So the next year. They don't start him in double-A again to say, okay, you had your first. Let's see you start in double-A. They immediately move him to triple-A at, what, 23 years old? Yeah, that's Jacksonville, the International League. I mean. 85 games. He's 23, probably turns 24 at some point. I don't know. When's his birthday? Uh, he, he was 24. He turned 24 last year. Yeah, but when was his birthday? Oh, uh, his birthday was, let me just take a check, November 10th. So he just turned 25. So he's young. So he goes there, 24, triple A, actually hits some bombs. 20 home runs. Walks. So he's got a good OPS, right, 835? 835, yeah. Okay, so then he goes to the big leagues, hits 165, has five home runs, nothing spectacular. This guy hasn't had a normal upbringing in baseball is what I'm trying to get at. You have an opportunity – to go from a left-handed, eh, I don't even know what we got anymore, and he wants to start. And we know when he starts, he doesn't stay healthy. He actually never has started a game in the major leagues. Yeah, he never <laughs> stays healthy. To trade for a guy that I would have to say on the Marlins side, if there's a Marlins version of me, I'd probably be like, are we getting rid of this guy too quick? Are we giving up on this guy? Because we had to have given him millions of dollars. It's the number four overall pick. Yeah. Like, is, is it too soon? Did we get rid of this guy too soon? What did he sign for? Uh, Blade, what if, let me see if they have it on here. Usually, give me a second, because I. Well, I just, I to me, you're, I'd make this deal. I'd make this deal in a second. You're going to give me a guy who who everybody knows he has talent. I I read some, you know, I did my. I did my YouTube scouting and, and started reading up on him. And there's people who believe he's got a little bit of a hitch in his swing, but that but 
What did he sign he for? He agreed to a $6.7 million signing bonus. Yeah, this guy signed for $6.7 million, man. There's, I, did, I did a little bit of research on him. But, um, but do you understand what I'm saying? He is never – he's not – this is not normal. Loses his first year, starts in double-A, then triple-A, yeah. then the big leagues. And this is a this, – this body of work, it's like, I'm going to go with for now because we haven't seen it with our own eyes. I'm going to go with now. I want to get him in camp. I want to give him every opportunity. I want to work on everything that I think he needs to work on. We don't know that. I haven't broken down video of him. Hell, I'm not a hitting coach. And give him every at-bat in spring and just let's see. Because I will bet I got a better chance of this guy being an everyday player I'm not saying all-star. I'm not saying by the time he's a free agent, guys are going to be signing deals for what, $500 million? Yeah. $400 million. $400 yeah. million will be like. Uh, we might see two $500 million guys this year. I only signed for $400 million. So by the time he's a free agent, that's a, I don't think he's going to be one of those guys. Could he? I don't know. Maybe. But I'm just saying, a competent, competitive, everyday guy, if that's what the A's picked up for A.J. Puck, that's a steal. Because that's what we need. I'm tired of reading about what's the biggest pressing. I got all this. I got all this preview stuff in front of me, right? <laughs> oh my God! What's the biggest pitching is not the big issue. I know who the A's have. Whether they get outs or not, I don't know. But I know who they have. So I disagree that the number one issue is who's starting. Who's starting? Who's starting? I can give you a starting staff like that. We already know Fuji's going to start. Ruchinsky's going to start. Blackburn, it was a finger. He's coming back. He is going to start. Waldachuk. Waldachuk. Sears. Caprillion. Caprillion. Eh, I'm hoping. <laughs> Adrian Martinez. Adam Aller. Muller from the uh, from the Braves that we got for uh, Big Murph. I mean, I can give you starters. I got guys who are going to take the ball every five days. My question, what's the number one question, Townie, for spring training? How are we going to score runs? That's the question. You have to – I don't know. There's a lot of rules changes. Is the rule still you have to outscore the other team to win the game? I don't think they changed one, so, yeah, you still have to – You sure? Yeah, you, the newsflash, you, in baseball, you can't win without scoring a run. Okay. So you still have to outscore the other team. I don't know how we're going to score. So I need – and this is what the A's do. The A's get guys – we're, we're, we're known for this. We get guys that have had a little taste in the big leagues or about to have a taste in the big leagues that are about AAA who are ready to make the jump versus people think a dumpster dive. Dumpster dive is I'm now trading everybody for 17, 18, and 19-year-olds. We don't do that. So we need Ruiz, Capel, Stevenson, uh, Blade. Pache, we have a bunch of these outfielders who are young guys who have had a taste at the big league level, and now it's time to figure out can they really be productive Major League Baseball players. We got a handful of them, and it's exciting. And these guys are uh, our future. There's no doubt about it. And I think, J.J., I think it's a, a, it could be a steal. It really could be a steal. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Do we have him? Yeah, he's here. Well, it is great to oh. have you on A's Cast Live. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. We were just talking about the trade and going through uh, your journey, actually, to the Marlins last year, to the big leagues. But first off, are, are you down in Mesa, Arizona? Where are you right now? No, I'm still in Jupiter. I will be heading out tomorrow morning. How ex- I'll, be, I'll get in around 5 o'clock. How, when you heard about the trade and knowing that the A's are a team, which we always call the land of opportunity, when you go to the A's and you play well, you will play at the big league level. Everybody in baseball knows that. How excited were you to hear about you're getting traded? And I know it's tough because the Marlins took you number four overall. You felt like that was your home. But you know you're going to get every opportunity in Oakland. Oh, it's huge. You know, I found out when I was in Nashville – and yeah, there's that, there's that little bit of bitterness, you know, right off the bat, but as you let it sink in and like you said, man, plenty of opportunity and, and I'm really looking forward to, uh, to, to make an Oakland, you know, uh, a good spot to get things going. And, you know, just, um, I think it's going to be a good fit, a great fit. You know, I think about your journey and your journey is like no other, you know, and there's a group of you guys that when you got drafted, and it's the same thing for these kids who signed out of high school to go play in college that all of a sudden COVID robs you of a year. You sign, you play in, what was it, 38 games, then all of a sudden you're off season. Your off season was all about your first year of pro ball. This is it. This is what you dreamt of. And next thing you know, that's stripped away from you and you hang out at the alternate site. Just when you talk about your journey, what was that like getting ready for your first year of pro ball? And next thing you know, it basically was practicing at an alternate site. It was crazy, man. But like when, when, especially when you're going from college, you have that, cons- you have that consistency of playing, you know, you, you're, you're in a good, you're in a good position. Your body feels good. You're getting acclimated to professional baseball. And I, and I felt great going into the 2020 season. And then bam, as soon as I got sent down to minor league, I, I was in minor league camp for a total of three hours. And then, Hey guys, Season's over. We got to go back home, and that was tough. That was tough. There was a lot of monotony at the alt site. You know, when you're facing the same guys, yeah. and you know they're probably not. They're, you know they're probably not going to call you up because of the lack of experience, and you're doing your best to just try and stay in shape and, and stay in that upward trajectory. Yeah, and, and to think about all your teammates, and then all the other 29 team, all the guys that didn't go to the alternate site, they got nothing. They got to work out exactly. with each other. I mean, it was it, it, it stunts, and, and it goes, and you talk to college baseball players, guys. It, it, it's just sad. You have to overcome that. All of a sudden, double A, triple A, you've gotten some time. 
where do you view yourself right now? What you little time you've had in the minor leagues, the little time you've had in the big leagues, how do you view yourself going into this season? What are your expectations? The first thing is, is I want to win. I want to do my best to, to show up every day and, and, and go out there and put my, put my best product out there on the field on a nightly basis. And two is just um, having that sense of urgency, man. I mean, you know, I've, I've had that, I've had my feet wet in the big leagues. I have an idea. I know what I needed to improve on, you know, and I'm just uh, excited to dominate the little things. And again, have that sense of urgency to, to go out, to go out as a sprint. You know, it's not a marathon anymore. It, it's going out and, and, and doing your best to make an impact right away. Yeah, I love that because the cool thing about what you're doing this year and when you're going to hit Mesa, Arizona, and you're hitting the ground running, you're not here to, like, impress people. You're not here to validate the trade. You're here to earn a job. You're coming to mm-hmm. spring training to earn a job. That has to make you excited. Absolutely. There's no there's no other way you want it. Tell us, outfield-wise, you can play all three, all three outfield positions. What's your favorite? Yeah, I've, I've played all three. I played a lot of center field last year, both in AAA and in the big leagues. Uh, but I see myself as a natural right fielder. You know, I played the most there in college. I feel the most comfortable there defensively. And, and if, you're, if you just put me in a spot to where, you know, you earn that spot and you're on there on a daily basis, good things happen when you're in that spot day in and day out rather than kind of moving over yeah. place to place. Obviously, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever. It doesn't really matter. But uh, right field is definitely like my most comfortable spot and um, center field and left field. A lot has talked about your approach, and you're taking that from Vandy. Just talk about patience is also – you got the pop, but you also got a lot of patience too. Patience is huge. Patience is hard to teach. You know, if you, if you know the zone, and which I, I feel like I have, a, I have a, a good understanding of the zone. I draw walks. I know the A's are big on on base. Uh, for me, the thing was I got to put more balls in play. I got to dominate the fastball. If I can take care of the heater – uh, good things are going to happen on the off-speed pitches. And knowing the zone and being, being ready to attack heaters, you're just going to be in a good spot to adjust and put more balls in play and, and get on base. You're a great guy to ask this because here at the big league level, we have a lot of questions about the new rules because we didn't get to see it. You live some of it. So you, you, mm-hmm. you're unique. You got to play with the new rules and then get to the big league level, and there weren't the new rules. What are your expectations, first of all, for yourself, no shifting now, and the new rules, how will they help your game? With the no shift, I think it's going to be great for left-handed hitters. It's, there's definitely going to be more opportunities to have a lot of those hard-hit ground balls or line drives or right field become hits. You know, so that can up, uptick the average and just boost your confidence. You know, it's, it's, a lot of, it's a big confidence when when that hit gets through, rather than getting taken away, you got a guy down the line making a, you know, a play on a 102 mile an hour line drive at him. It's like, wow, man, that's a hit throughout my whole entire career, even up the middle, not just right field. Up the yeah. middle, you got a guy up there. You're like, hey, that's a double play. That's that's a double play ball. I think the shifts gonna or getting away the shifts also gonna allow defensive player to show off their athleticism. You know, you see Jeter back in the day and all these guys making outstanding plays in the holes. I think it's gonna showcase their athleticism and make baseball fun again, more, more fun to watch on, on that athletic side rather than just, Oh, Hey, he's going to hit it to me here. Be ready. You know, if the pitcher executes his pitch and um, what was the other part of that question? Sorry. Well, and the one I want you also to address, cause we haven't seen it yet, uh, but everybody's really, 
You know, a lot of people hated it at first, but I think everybody's now com- coming on board. The pitch timer and how much faster games are. I personally like it. I think it's good for baseball to kind of uptick the game. And again, it's guys are going to be pissed off for the first week or two, and then they're going to finally get into that rhythm of, oh, it's, it's really not that bad. It, it's just a very subtle change. Walk-up songs aren't going to be as cool. You won't be able to embrace them as much <laughs> as you're going to the plate. But to me, that's really not that big of a deal. I'm the guy. I'm a guy that just goes up there ready to hit yeah. anyway. So, so I think it's good for baseball. It's gonna, it's gonna allow fans to kind of keep their, keep their, uh, what is it? Their, their focus on the game a little bit better and just speed up games a tick more. You know, nothing crazy. People think, oh, it's gonna be crazy, crazy, but it's really not. It's gonna be second nature probably come that first or second week. Well, we have Tony Kemp on the team who's a Vandy guy, and we've learned a lot about Vanderbilt. Obviously, the nickname The Factory for a reason. Uh, it's a great program, been using technology. at the. I mean, at one point, Vanderbilt not only used more technology, but I would say they understood how to use the technology more than any big league team. It's pretty fascinating, the stuff that they do at the hospital. And I just, just talk about when you're coming from a program like that, how you were schooled, how you were developed, and everything you learned from this great university and this program. You know, Vandy's, Vandy's awesome for a number of reasons. One is because all these companies want to have them test out their products, and Vandy's, you know, top of the list to have that happen, both on the pitcher side and on the hitter side. And it grooms you into this being a disciplined hitter. You know, obviously you still have to have that talent and you have to have that competitiveness nature to be able to play there. But having all those products and using the data properly to help you out, um, it's next to none. And honestly, I'd, I'd argue I even you, you even get better – um, data and metrics there than I did with the Marlins. So, you know, obviously different, different types of usage with the stuff, you know, the Marlins have their way and, you know, it's great too, but, um, definitely more attention to detail, put it that way when it was, um, when I was at Vandy with the, with the, with the metrics. And that's, you know, getting back to what you said earlier about being able to, you know, to be able to hunt a little more and make more contact. I mean, obviously, I looked at the numbers of what you did at Vandy, dominating the SEC, which is the best baseball conference. I mean, getting back to that approach at the big league level, you do that, less shifting, I got to think batting average goes up. 100%. And, I, and I've and made some great adjustments, kind of going back to how I moved in college, you know, using my lower half a little bit more, less head movement, getting into a position to fire each swing. You know, you're not going to be perfect all the time. But if you can spit out something consistently on a, on a pitch-to-pitch basis, yeah, you're going to be able to put more balls in play and that average ticks up and you're, you're, you're dominating the zone. Let's end on this. I don't know how much you know about Oakland. I mean, the Mar- Marlins came. Were, were you here when the Marlins I came? Was, I, I was here. I had a good series here. Um, it was towards the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. Well, get ready because you're going to hear the drummers. Yeah, our, our crowd gets wild, especially when we start winning, and you're going to help get us back on track we start next thing you know, they'll be making posters of you, t-shirts of you. Our fans go nuts. Are you ready for some you ready for more like of a college football atmosphere? Chris, I've I've been born ready for this, man. I'm 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 really pumped up for this opportunity. I think it's gonna be great. And I'm gonna go balls to the wall every day to to give everything I got to to make this franchise and or to help this franchise and and put those fans in the stands because I mean you guys have been you guys make a playoffs almost every four years, you know, and, yep. and that, that in itself is a success. That's hard to do. That's, that's not easy. And, 
And that speaks to volumes of the front office and doing their best to kind of put the best product on the field every night. Well, I got to tell you, we're loving this trade. We're loving having you. And I know A's fans are, are really digging it. We think you can be a really special player and really help us get back on track. So looking forward to seeing you. Mesa will be down there on the 21st. I know you're going to be heading there soon. Safe travels. Congratulations on the trade. It's going to be big for your, your career. And we'll see you in the Valley of the Sun. Thanks, Chris. I'm ready to get to work. Great stuff. J.J. Blade, new outfielder for the Oakland Athletics. If that doesn't pump you up, I don't know what does. I, I loved, it. <clears throat> loved the interview. I loved his answers about the rules changes. By the way, I was ready for you to jump in when he mentioned Jeter and defense. Oh, boy. You didn't have the guts to do it. I'll just tell him a person. He's the worst defensive shortstop ever. The, the numbers back it up. Fox, new Fox broadcaster, Derek Congra Jeter. Congrats to Jeter. Hey, Fox has added Jeter and Tom Brady. Can you imagine A-Rod going, oh, my God. I can't get away from this guy. <laughs> you got him and Poppy. <laughs> poor, I can't believe I'm saying this. Poor A-Rod? Poor Jeter. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if anybody, it's Jeter. Jeter's the one who's the great winner and the great champion. And Poppy, you know, he's now got to be surrounded by not one, but two steroid fraud guys. Uh, well, true. Did I say that? Did I say it? Is this thing on? Big Poppy and A-Roid. Uh, Jeter now has to be surrounded by two steroid guys, two phonies who act like, ah, it never happened. Back to back, JJ. Uh, I'm it, telling you, I'm excited. I am, and I loved what I'm he said. Excited. I love what he's. Uh, thank you, Guru. Uh, I love what he said about um, the shift. I actually looked it up. This, the banning of ships actually going to help him. He was shifted almost 81% of the time last year in the major leagues. It's a joke. He pulled the ball 49.6%, so almost half of his at-bats he pulled the ball. But most of the time, there was a guy there. He had a, he had a, with, a with no shift, his weighted on-base average was 329. That's right around where Christian Yelich was and some other guys that are former MVPs. With the, with the shift on. Wait, what was it? His weighted on-base average. Woba. Woba, 329. With, with the shift on, 251. I'm telling you right now, I don't need him to be Rod Carew, okay? I don't need him to be Wade Boggs and Tony Gwynn and who else you want to put in there? Who else you want to put in there? Honus Ichiro. Wagner. Ichiro. You're talking about, Ichiro. You're talking about hitters. Uh, I'm the le I'm, who do Jeter. I? Left-handed. Left oh, left-handed. 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 I don't need him to be a batting champion. I need him to be a guy that comes out and competes. And it has a chance to be. And when I mean competes, I know that sounds like a, a generic term. No, a guy that's competitive, a guy that's a guy that comes out on a daily basis and competes at this level. We already know what non-competitive looks like. It's Christian Pache last year. Christian Pache was completely overmatched. We hit the ball hard. I mean, we got to in the month of June. He was hitting a hundred. Yeah, that's not competing. You're not competing anymore. I need a guy that shows up and competes. He does it defensively and offensively. That's what we need. And I remember when this trade first happened because some, you know, I, I have, I, you know, A's fans out there, there's people who have my phone number. And all of a sudden I get, I start getting rung up about this trade. I can't believe we traded A.J. Puck. And I'm like, really? What am I missing? What did you see in A.J. Puck? What? I can tell you. Some people may not be here now, but back in the day when they were here, they didn't like A.J. Puck, and they thought this, is, this was not a good pick. And A.J. Puck was not a guy everybody liked, even out of college. A.J. Puck was, he, he was, 
what did what did Brad Pitt say? We're not selling jeans here. Yeah, we're not looking for we Fabio. Were, we were we were picking Fabio with Puck. Puck wasn't even the best pitcher. Do you have it? I I'm gonna look. Oh. Who's Fabio? Yeah. Puck wasn't even the best pitcher at Florida. It was uh was it Brady Singer? No, was this Singer? What year was that? It was the it didn't there was a couple guys that were good there. Yeah, but he wasn't the best guy. But he's six seven. And he's like Randy Johnson. And he just yeah, you 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 were buying jeans. You were buying jeans with that pick. You were Fabio. This guy's not Fabio. Everybody thinks this guy can play, or at least when he was drafted, he could play. And you hear that mentality? What's the first thing he started talking about? You may need to cut that up. What's the first thing he mentioned? Winning. Winning. That's what he cares. I want to win. Okay. That, that's what we want to hear. Give me a guy that can show up every day and be competitive. I don't need him to hit 350. But if you tell me he hits bombs, some bombs, drives and runs, can run well, play all three outfield positions, these are the type of players that we need. And these are the type of guys that when they're going over the projections, I was listening to it uh, yet last night on my walk, I was listening to our buddy Buster Olney and Tim Kirchin. Did they tape that on? Oh, no, I haven't listened to it yet. It would have been on Tuesday. Oh, yeah, it was yesterday. I was listening to it last night. They mentioned the West, how tough the West's going to be, and they're like, oh, the projections for Oakland, oh, 60, I can't remember what they had it as. I think it's like 62 wins. That's going to be tough. What, what, wait, who they have? What are you saying? Sorry, I was looking at the Florida roster. Do I need to repeat myself? 62 You're wins. looking at a college roster from years ago? I'm just ago? looking at how. I'm, I'm talking about today. Just looking at how crazy that Florida team was a puck and all these guys were part of. Oh, uh, the polar bear. Polar bear, Alex. Uh, I, you know what? When the polar bear was drafted, and I'll still say it, I think he's going to struggle. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think Pete Alonso is going to have a hard time making the team. Uh, Brady Singer's on a team. Jackson Coar, they're both teammates of the Royals. Just because I have a Buddy Reed was on that team. The great uh, Buddy Reed. XA. Uh, God, so we many got guys. Buddy Reed from the Padres, right? Correct. Uh, Logan Shore, who was in the Brady Singer, Kirby Sneed. There's so many guys who made the major leagues on this. Kirby, team. yeah. Right. You want a left-hander? We got other left-handers from Florida. Half, half the half the Royals' rotation way, that's, was that's, in Florida. That, that if you look at Kirby Sneed's picture as a Florida Gator. Short hair, Kirby Sneed. Looks like a completely different guy. Well, here, hold up, hold up real quick for A.J. Puck. A.J. Puck, uh, where is he? Look at A.J. A.J. Does, looks like he's 10 years old. Doesn't even have long hair there. I mean, I know he cut it now, but we noticed. We know Florida we Gators had a hair policy clearly uh, back in the day. But getting back to it, I'm not going to be shocked. And no offense, I mean, we'll root for A.J. Puck. We root for everybody that played for us, right? And he's joining Jesus Lizardo. We root for these guys, but I'm not going to be shocked if we're doing a show three years from now and A.J. Puck's like on his fifth team. Could be a possibility, especially if he's a a reliever. Not going to be shocked. And we don't even know, right? We don't even know what they want to do with him. Like, what what are their plans? They they already – they've got an abundance of starters that they've been in trade talks or rumors of trading starters – They've got starters. So where does he fit in? And if he's a bullpen guy, are they picking him up with the idea of let's hope he does stay healthy, throw strikes, put some numbers up, and they flip him at the deadline. The, the move. And now A.J. Puck just becomes 
third team, fourth team, fifth team, and, you know, and that's why I'm saying the gamble, I mean, you, you can fall in love on an interview because I'm telling you already he's going to be good for us. If he's at the big league level, remember, he's got options too. That's another thing versatility-wise is that uh, J.J. Blade is somebody they can send down. That's something you don't have with Pache. Pache is out of options, correct? Yes. If he does make the team out of spring, he's he – He's out of options. So, he, even if he makes a team and he struggles, can't send him back down so yeah. he can climb. So, yeah. uh, this guy's got options. But I tell you, give me a smart player. Give me a guy who's been trained right. Give me a guy that's super athletic. And it's now on the A's to get out of him what everybody thinks he is. We know he's got athleticism. We know he has power. We know he can run. We know he can throw. He's got all the attributes. It's now the A's responsibility to get out of him. He's a disciplined guy. That's why in AAA he had an 835 OPS because he hit some bombs and he walked. So we know he's got an idea of the strike zone. Shifting going away. Let's watch this guy. This could be I don't want to oversell it, but this guy, as long as he can turn into an everyday player, this is such – you give me – right now, I give you a call. Hey, Cody, I'm going to give you a guy that, for the first time ever, stayed healthy. Uh, I really don't know what he is anymore. Um, I'm going to give you him, but I want you to give me a guy that I don't know why you fell out of love with him, but he could be an everyday player. Are you going to make that trade with me? Yes. What are we doing here? I mean, this is a no-brainer. No-brainer. I don't know who called who. We'll have to ask David Force who called who. But if the Marlins called me and I'm David Force, I'm like, what? What? Get the paperwork ready. <laughs> Get the paperwork ready. Fax it. Even though they don't use faxes anymore. Fax it. You're faxing that deal right away. You're going to give me what for what? The, the what? Straight up? Oh, my God. And here's a great thing. You got the number four overall pick from just 2019 who signed for 6 point what? Seven, that was a signing about 6.75. you didn't have to give it to him. That's also true. You didn't have to give him $6.7 million. Someone else gave it to him, and now you're taking him. And the only reason you're getting him right now is, like I said, and like he said, the COVID year messed these kids up. It messed these kids up. Let, let me give you a couple names that they, the Marlins are notorious for giving up on players too early. Um, there's this guy that turned out to be pretty good first baseman that was number one overall pick. Um, oh, what was his name? Something Adrian Gonzalez. He turned out to be a nice player. The Marlins gave up on too soon. Now, be fair, you're talking about a completely different regime. Oh yeah, true. You're talking about the heads of state are completely different. Uh, well, I can see what you're going, but remember, we're yeah. dealing with. This is not like the thing with the A's is you've had the same management. David Forrest is an, is an extension of Billy Bean. Yeah. So David Forrest will have his own version, but we're still dealing with kind of the same. I mean, you're you're completely different people. To be fair. Yeah. The, the most recent one would be probably Christian Yelich. Gave up on him too soon. He went on to win an MVP. Could have won back to back MVP. He was a light hitting guy. Yeah. Well, I don't know. He's back to being that light hitting. Yeah, guy. that's true. Uh, no offense. Uh, can't say Stanton because they did give him that huge deal. Ozuna. So, Ozuna is another one. There's been guys that they Stanton's not. Yeah, Stan, Stanton's purely a money deal. Yeah, the other guys though, you just I don't know. What was Mark Hanna's one? What? 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 No, 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 no. 
Yeah, Kendall was drafted by the Marlins. Yeah, yeah, but but he was Rule Five. Yeah, so they didn't. They didn't give up on him. Someone is, just selected. He was just blocked. Uh, J, JT Romito was another guy. They didn't give up on him. But Canny, you can't say they, they they traded him away. Someone took him. Yeah, well, I'm just saying these are guys that. Yelich is probably the most. What the, was the thing recent. I sent you on Giancarlo Stanton? He like hits the ball harder than anybody, but there was some stat he's the worst in baseball. Oh, I don't remember now. Do you remember how I said there was something he is like? For the amount of money and the games he's played for the Yankees, like in the last three years, it's laughable. It's laughable how much they've play, they've paid him not to play. Well, I'll tell you right now how many games he's played in the last three years. There's some type of stat. Are we including 2020, or is he going to go 21, 22, and 19? You can go whenever he's been a Yankee. He's been a healthy ever. Played in 110 last year, 139 and 21, 23 and 2020, and I'll wait for it. Uh, 18 in 2019. <laughs> how is a professional athlete, how is it as a professional athlete? You have the best care. You have the access to, he's got a 300-something million dollar contract. Now, if you blew out your knee, right, you blew out your elbow, you blew something out that you've got to have major surgery, which is rehab, that's totally understandable, right? I'm never going to fault a running back who blows out his knee in week one and say he only played in one game. That's just, you're dealing with anatomy. Guy's knee, you got to have major reconstructive surgery. It's going to take a year for rehab, right? We know that with Tommy Johnson. Giancarlo Stanton did not have Tommy John surgery or knee surgery, and he only played in 18 games? From uh, 2019. What was his injury in that year? What, 19? Let's see. You know, it'll have a Wikipedia. What was his problem? I'll give you his numbers. What you look? Okay, if you I'll look, look that up. up. Over from 2019 to 2022, he's played in 290 games, which means he averaged 72 games a year. <laughs> he hit 73 home runs and drove in 199, which equates to 18 home runs and 50 driven in each year. Oh, God, oh and uh, bat, batting average of uh, way for uh, 248. This guy's making over 300 million dollars, and he will be 30. If not, he's not, if he's not 33, he will be 33 this year. Um, hey, he's close to. I'm blown. Did you know this? I mean, I know he, we know he's a lot of home runs. He almost has 400 home runs. Are you ready for this? Well, God, God one year he hit 50, 59, right? Then he got traded. Are you ready for this? <laughs> this is your $300 million man who played in 18 games. Yeah, in 19, yes. 2019, Giancarlo Stanton. Now, remember, Brian Kenny, friend of the program, best show on television. Yeah, I'm going to say it, best show on television. That's not rated highly. Um, MLB now. They ripped Giancarlo. And next thing you know, the Yankee media. The Yankee honks came out and were not happy. You ripped the Yankees. You and, and Brian Kenny is a Yankee fan, right? His Twitter account's got him with a with a with a glass of bourbon and a Yankee glass. He's a Yankee fan. Well, Brian Brian Kenny is no longer on Twitter. It's been a couple of years now. Well, he used to be. Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, but you get the wrath of the – remember Reggie Jackson even. Who's Brian Kenny? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, he's the guy that introduces you every year at the Hall of Fame. You know that thing called the Hall of Fame ceremony and the guy that gets up and introduces all the players. He's at the podium, and he's the main MC of it. Yeah, Reggie, I think you've heard of him because he's announcing you every year. That pissed me off. I'm like, Reggie, shut up. Who's Brian Kenny? Hey, ass, he's the guy that gets you on. I'll say it now because Reggie didn't come on uh, <laughs> when Sal Bando died. Yeah, whatever, Reggie. That's who Brian Kenny is. On 
April 1st, 2019, Giancarlo Stanton was placed on the 10-day IL. Was that the year we got rid of the DL, IL 2019? If not, they probably edited it in there. But I think that sounds about right. So what do you think it was? What do you think it was? What do you think it was? What do you think? I mean, this is, I mean. Oblique strain. He's going to miss the whole season, basically. This has to be major. What was it? Oblique strain? Nope. Oh. I think he had one of those before, though. A grade one left bicep strain. Oh. You mean stuff that, like, every guy plays with in the NFL (laughs) and in hockey? So that was on April 1st. April 22nd, he received a cortisone injection for his left shoulder to address a pre-existing injury. So now it's not even the left strain bicep. So really what it you so so you have your bicep here and then you got the tendon and you get bicepinal tendonitis. It's something that I I dealt with for for many years. Um, it hurts, but you can play through it. You get guys pitch through it. On May 20th, he was optioned to AAA. He returned to right field. Then he went on the IL with a knee injury, missing the London series. 60-day disabled list, but nothing here says he had surgery. So he went from bicep, shoulder, knee, 18 games. That's your guy, Giancarlo Stanton, and everybody backed up. But uh, when's our next guest? Because I need to get into this. Uh, Two o'clock. But Jim Callis is here, so. Jim, how are you? Welcome back to A's Cast Live. I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're doing really good. We're kind of, we're really excited about J.J. Blade. We just had him on. Uh, He's still in Jupiter. He is going to be leaving Florida and uh, heading to Mesa, Arizona. When we saw the trade, I know some A's fans were like, Wait a minute, AJ Puck finally gave us something. We all know he was <laughs> our top prospect, right? He gave us 62 games without an injury, and at times he was okay. What are we doing? Tell us, JJ Blade, what are the A's getting with a guy who was once pick number four overall? <laughs> I wish I knew exactly, to be honest with you, because he's been different in pro ball than I thought he was going to be. When I saw him at Vanderbilt, I loved the pick when the Marlins took him. What I liked about him was, you know, there's guys who hit for power who swing for the fences, and he hit for power at Vanderbilt. If I remember correctly, led NCAA Division One in homers when Vanderbilt won the national title in 2019, and Blade hit home runs without swinging for the fences. Like I, I did, I thought for sure this guy would definitely hit. He would have power. I don't want to say can't miss because there's no really such thing as a can't miss. But I really didn't think there was much of a chance he'd miss, and he's been different in pro ball. Like, I don't know why, but he's become more of this guy who tries to pull and launch everything. So, you know, he does he, – he strikes out too much, more than I ever thought he would. He does draw a decent amount of walks. So I think there's still some semblance of an approach in there. Uh, you know, I don't know – like, I, I still think there's a lot of talent in there, Chris. I just don't know – exactly how it's going to manifest itself. Is he going to be this guy who hits, you know, swings for the fences and hits 220 with a bunch of strikeouts and maybe runs into 20 homers a year? Or can he, like, I actually think if he hits for a higher average, he'll hit for more power if he just went back to his other approach and let the homers come naturally. The last time I saw a lot of him in person was in the fall league where everybody hits, and he hit in the fall league a couple years ago. But 
I, I like the idea of buying low on JJ Bleday. I wish I, I knew exactly what I thought he was because he hasn't been the guy I thought he was going to be coming out of Vanderbilt. Yeah, and how much stock do we put in? I, I, I do put stock in this. I'm interested in your opinion because you're dealing with the entire league that here you get drafted in 19. You, only, you, know, you finally sign. They send you for a few games, played in 38 games. But then that offseason, you're prepping for your first year. Your dream is finally here. You've been drafted. Here's the roadmap to the big leagues. I'm ready to go. My first spring training, let's rock. And you show up and boom, shut down COVID. You lose your entire first year. You're hanging out at an alternate site, which is not even close to what you're doing, trying to learn how to be a professional and how to deal with the road and deal with playing every single day. Come out immediately to double A, next year triple A in the big leagues. How much stock do you put into that for a lot of players? Just not JJ, but for a lot of players, it's hard to kind of – it's kind of like their growth was studded a little bit. Do you put any stock in that? Yeah, some. Definitely some because, like you said, even if – like a lot of guys didn't even get to go to the alternate site. I mean, JJ did, but even the guys who did, you're facing the same pitchers pretty much day after day. It's not real games. I mean – there were teams using coaches in, in the outfield to, you know, catch fly ball. Like you didn't have two full teams you could play. That said, that was three years ago now. And like, I really thought when I saw him in the fall league in 21, and again, everybody hits in the fall league. So I wasn't just going off the stats. He looked like he was kind of just going up there, hitting the ball hard and letting things happen naturally. And then last year, he kind of went back to, you know, launching and pulling everything. So I don't – I mean, I know it's, it's simpler than just saying, hey, JJ, go back to what you did before and don't try to hit everything out of the park. But I, I do think there's a good hitter in there somewhere. I do get more concerned when we've, we've seen this kind of for two years in a row. Yeah, for us here at the big league level, it's like we haven't seen the no shifting. We haven't seen the pitch timer. We haven't seen all of this. We read the reports. We're hearing how the game is changing. We're now getting pictures of what the bags look like, uh, the bigger bags. We're seeing all this rule stuff. I mean, for some of these guys, now a couple years in, how is it just going to help overall players that shifting's gone, things are a little bit back normal. We look at guys' numbers to where we're looking at, just take J.J., for instance. You know, at one point he was facing the shift 80% of the time. How much do you think this will affect hitters, especially young kids coming up into the big leagues? You know, it's funny. I don't think <laughs> I don't think the shift is going to have as a profound effect as some people. The shift changes are going to have a profound effect okay. as some people might think. Um, I think you can make the argument that you take the shift away or you restrict the team. You know how what how teams can shift. You know as much as they can shift. These guys who swing for the fences. You're just giving them more incentive to swing for the fences. And you can take the shift away. And if J.J. Blaze still strikes out 28% of the time, he's not going to be hitting for a high average. Um, the shift is not going to help guys make contact. And, and, yes, I mean, the shift takes away more hits than it gives. But you're still, you know, with left-hand hitters up, you know, I know you can't have three guys on the one side infield. I still think you're going to see the shortstop standing right beside second base up the middle. And if you hit the ball up the middle, it's still going to be an out. Like, you know, it's going to be a little different, but it's not like, you know, I guess the most extreme guy we can think of, Joey Gallo. It's not like Joey Gallo hits a bunch of ground balls that are getting gobbled up. 
Joey Gallo is striking out 35% of the time. That's why Joey Gallo's not hitting for average. It's not because he's hitting balls at people a lot. And I just don't – it's weird. You know, this, this will sound weird. I think the pitch clock will help guys hit more than the shift change will. Shift change isn't going to help guys make contact. The pitch clock, it's going to take some getting used to for both sides. You know, hitters are going to have to be in the box ready to hit. But there's going to be no more of this – Hey, I'm taking 30 seconds and I'm big deep breath and gathering myself. <laughs> and now I'm going to throw the ball as hard as I possibly can. No, I'm going to get the ball and I got to be ready to go pretty quick. And I'm not going to be able to do, you know, take 30 seconds between pitches so I can throw 98. So I actually think, you know, or, or try to, you know, exert as much spin on the ball as I possibly can. So I actually think like you always have these unintended consequences whenever there's rule changes. I actually think the pitch clock may help increase offense. I just, I'm not buying the shift change is going to make that big of a deal. I, I really don't think it will unless you had, and I don't think it will because we guys get paid for hitting home runs, not for, you know, I mean, look at Luis Arias just won the batting title and twins traded him. Um, you know, it wasn't like they traded him for a, a superstar. I mean, Pablo Lopez is fine. And a couple of prospects. It wasn't like they traded him for like, you know, some superstar, you know, Lisa Rise doesn't have any power and the twins traded him. I mean, he's got defensive limitations too, but you know, I, I just don't think you're going to see, you know, 50% of the league change their approach and like, okay, now the, the they're, they're not ganging up on me on one side. So I'm going to try to shoot some, you know, ground balls and line drives, you know, th through the infield, like guys are still going to be trying to launch balls. So we'll, we'll see. I'll be very curious to see how it plays out. You know, I, I'm so glad you bring up contact because I started feeling like Clint Eastwood get off my lawn because I kept talking about, I'm tired of watching guys hit 220. I'm tired of talking about guys hitting 230. And then people coming back at me, fans, I've even had coaches, batting average doesn't matter. And I went, like hell it doesn't. It's a game of math. Right? This is a game of math. All of your numbers add up. It's math. The more hits you get, everything goes up. You're on base, you're OPS. The, the more you do, the more production. And But everybody kept trying to tell me batting average doesn't matter. Now all of a sudden we got into this world where guys are striking out so much. We're now saying, and you've mentioned a couple times, a guy like, well, there's Blade or Cal, you got to make court more contact to be a competitive player. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's. Outs matter. You only get 27 outs in a game, you know, and if you, if you, if you're striking out 12 or 13 times a game, that's a lot of outs right there. Now, I mean, now look, I get, you're going to trade some strikeouts for power. You know, like Aaron judge, if he wants to hit 62 home runs, Aaron judge can strike out as much as he wants. I don't have a strikeout numbers in front of me. I know he strikes out some, but at some point, if you aren't being productive, you've got to make changes. You know, if Joey Gallo's hitting 40 home runs, you know, we could put up with him hitting 220 and striking out 108 times a year. But when he's hitting like 160 and he's not hitting for power, he can't strike out at a 40% clip. That's just not acceptable. And and I just think every like you have so many hitters seeking power. I'm not saying everybody needs to be just slapping the ball on the ground and bunning. I'm not saying that's the most effective way either. But if you're hitting 220 and you're striking out 30% of the time and you're not producing big power numbers, to me, you should try to make some adjustments. Now, that said... I know it's easier said than done. I do think it is harder to hit than it's ever been in major league history. Guys are throwing harder. Guys are spinning the ball faster. You have these pitch labs with these incredible cameras where, you know, I can go throw 20 sliders in a bullpen session and I might've thrown two of them. I really like, 
and we can look at the camera and we can see exactly where my finger placement was and how it came off the ball. And I can try to figure out how to replicate that. And it's hard. Like, like I, I think, you know, you know, it's just, it's hard to hit, you know, and now we've gotten, you know, used to be, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, it was like, you want to pitch down in the zone, down the zone and the hitters adapted. And here's got pretty good at, you know, essentially with a golf swing launching, you know, getting to going down in those pitches out of the park. So now you have guys with more angle in their swing and they're throwing 98 by you up here and you're trying to swing like that. I mean, I know I'm oversimplifying it, but I, I do think it's very, very hard to hit, but I also feel like there's, I don't know if stubbornness is the right word, but there's some stubbornness to where I was like, okay, you know, home runs are king. I'm going to swing for home runs and I don't care if I strike out 33% of the time and hit 210 and you need to care because it's, you know, they're very, they're, it's not like there's a bunch of guys hitting 210 with 40 home runs. There's a bunch of guys hitting 210, swinging for the fences, hitting 20 home runs and, and striking out a ton. And it's, it's just, just not productive. And, and, and I think where it matters most when you get to the playoffs and you're facing a higher caliber of pitching, good luck. Like, like if you're just an all or nothing approach or you're, you're it's all, I'm trying to launch balls to my pull side you get eaten alive in the playoffs. You know, and plus one other thing, I'm, I know I'm rambling. No. The other reason it's harder to hit, it's not like the old days where guys, you know, starts would go six, seven innings, go three, four times through the lineup. Now you might, if you get five at-bats, you might face four or five different pitchers, and most of those guys are fresh. And so, like, I, I mean, I think it's a huge challenge to hit, but I just – and, again, I know I'm oversimplifying it. I'm not a hitting guru or anything, but I do feel like some guys need to moderate their approach – and make some adjustments, but I, I just don't think we see a whole lot of that. Well, I think about the A's going into this year, you know, how are we going to score runs? Because there's not a ton of power, but what David Forrest in the front office has acquired is speed and athleticism. And with the new rules, going to be real interesting to see how that changes in the game. Uh, one player, I, I called Bob Melvin about this, you know, Esray Ruiz, we get him in the trade with Sean Murphy. He comes over from Milwaukee, but obviously he was with the Padres. Bob said he'd never seen him, but A.J. Preller and the Padres staff love Ruiz. They think he can be a great player. Keith Lippman, who you know, has been with us yep. for so many years, now retired, saw him in A. told David Force, I think this guy can be a star. Uh, so we haven't seen him. We just heard all this expectation of what he could be and great stolen bases and Looks like we're going to run a lot more instead of the the swinging A's. We'll be the running A's now. Yeah. Uh, what are we getting with Ruiz? And have you seen him much? I have not seen him personally much. I mean, I've seen video. It's interesting because you get mixed opinions. Like on the the high end, you get like, okay, this guy gets on base, he makes things happen. You know, he can steal. It'll be real interesting with the rule changes where you can only disengage, whether that's a pickoff throw or stepping off the rubber mm. twice. And then if you do it a third time and you don't pick the guy off, it's a balk. So it'll be interesting to see like exactly how much teams run. Um, you know, you do talk to scouts who are a little more skeptical of Estre Ruiz. He does not hit the ball very hard at all. Like the exit velos are kind of concerning. Like the old cliche is the back going to get knocked out of his hands. There, there's some scouts have concerns about that. I don't think he drew a ton of walks before last year. Um, so people like there's people who aren't convinced like he's going to be this on base machine running wild on the bases. You know, I think there's kind of a wide variance in outcomes for us, Terry Ruiz. So it'll be kind of interesting to see exactly 
you know, what he becomes this year. I mean, the nice thing for him is he's going to get the opportunity to play. And so it's, it's not like he's going to be on a short, you know, he was on the Padres. Padres are trying to win. So it's like, there's not a lot of opportunity. You know, they had a bunch of infielders, obviously he can play the outfield too, but they had, a, you know, it wasn't a lot of opportunity. And when you play, if you aren't producing, they're going to go on to the next guy with the A's who are, you know, rebuilding right now. You know, I would assume he's going to get five, 600 plate appearances to show what he could do. No doubt. And, you know, I think that, I think that, that's useful. You know, I mean, like you mentioned, JJ Bleday, you know, not that the Marlins were like, you know, going to win the NL East, but again, I do think there's a little less pressure. Like, okay, look, there's no expectations for this team. Just go out there and play and show us what you can do. And, and sometimes guys blossom with that. Well, this time of the year is always near and dear to my heart being a former college baseball player and my juices start to flow a little bit, even though it's been a long time since the early nineties back in the day, but uh, I know you follow it as good as anybody. Uh, college baseball is healthy. It's it, To me, it's amazing. The technology, the coaching, the data, everything is so – it's light years from where – and, you know, we our conference was great. You know, I played at San Jose State, and we had Fullerton and Long Beach and Fresno yeah. and UNLV, and, you know, we're playing against Stanford and Cal and all the Pac-12 yeah. schools. I mean, there was great – players guys that became hall of famers but the data and the training and everything is so far different from you know 30 plus years ago just talk about how healthy and how good college baseball the state of college baseball is right now as it's starting up again yeah no i'm excited i'm, I'm getting ready to head out i'm actually heading out to arizona tomorrow to, to broadcast the desert invitational we're doing three games on, M, on mlb network and then i'm also doing one streaming only um which cool, kind of cool tournament with seven teams out there, but yeah, no, it's, it's funny. So when I started baseball America way back when uh, my first full year was 1989, I was on the college beat and I loved, I mean, I love college baseball. I love college beat, but honestly, back then you could probably come up with a list of 12, maybe 15 teams and six or seven of those teams were going to be the eight teams in Omaha every year. You know, you'd, you'd have teams sneak in um, the facility that uh, I can't speak the facilities, <laughs> facilities are amazing, as you know, Chris. Yeah. Like facilities now are, are crazy. Like everybody has like not everybody, but like there are so many nice ballparks with great playing surfaces and great, you know, batting cages under the stand. Like it, it's light and day. It, 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 night and day. Am I making up expressions? But like you know, back then, you know, the, the great facilities were the exception. Now it's the rule. You know, and it's not just great facility, like where you gotta add to it because everybody else is adding to it. It's like an arms race. Like you said, I mean. You know, the technology, I mean, there's there's teams, college teams that have pitch labs. And, I mean, we're seeing a lot of, you're seeing a lot of pro teams hire college coaches to be big league pitching yeah. coaches, to be minor league pitching coaches. Um, you know, I think, you know, because of this, there's more interest, there's more opportunity. There's a lot more teams that, you know, have a chance to get to Omaha. There's a lot more quality teams. The conferences run deeper. Um, I mean, I, I, college baseball was was good good when I start was covering it back in the, in the late eighties, early nineties, but it, it it's, it's definitely like it, it's light years compared to where it was just in terms of the, the, you know, you know, facilities, like I said, the technology, just the things players have to work with. I think the coaching's better. Like, like when I started, Chris, I wouldn't say they hated each other, but like, like pro teams, college teams, they sparred all the time. Like they were criticized, you know, you always, you know, oh, college coaches are breaking pitchers. 
you know, yeah. this and that. Too many you know. innings. Ben McDonald's pitching too many innings. Yeah, there, there, you know, there, there was not a lot of mutual respect. I guess is yeah. the nice way to put it. When I started, and now, like, like you see, there, there's all kind. Like, there's a lot of great coaches at various levels of baseball. And like I said, you're seeing major league teams hire college coaches left and right. I think the coaching's gotten a lot better. Not just the head coaches, but also like the assistant coaches, like. It's a lot better. So it is exciting. I don't think the college game has ever been healthier product on the field. I don't think it's ever been better. It's just, you get, you have so many more quality. And I, I, I haven't followed this as closely, but I think there's talk that with some of the changes that we may get, it's possible we might get in a slightly expanded tournament. You know, the regionals might go greater than, than 64 teams, what they are right now. Yeah, I mean, expansion and playoffs has worked everywhere we've seen it. Let's end on this, and because you're talking about facilities. And Billy Bean, who's been to all the colleges, he's seen everything. I mean, when you start talking about the hundreds of millions of dollars that get poured into college football and college basketball, well, you can only build so many locker rooms and weight rooms for football. At some point, it starts to filter down. And I remember Billy coming on this show, this is a few years ago, where he goes, you're not going to believe the facilities at Ohio State for baseball. You're not going to believe it. And I said, Billy, I do, because we see these numbers that, you know, the Ohio State Athletic Department's making over $300 million a year. Well, at some point, that's <laughs> got to go somewhere. And he's like, their facilities at Ohio State are better than anybody's spring training facilities guaranteed yeah no it's you're right i mean I, i'm a georgia grad it's the same thing georgia just rakes in money left and right and like they've yeah. obviously poured a lot of it into the football operation but like there's only so much you could do i mean i guess they could gold plate the lockers or something but like like you know there, there's only so much you could do and, and like you know it's not like that at every school but the schools that make a lot of revenue like in the in the power conferences you've seen them spend and like i mean that's the thing when i when i went to school at georgia in, in the late eighties, we had our, our baseball field fully field was like, we had bleachers like behind first base we had bleachers behind third base. We had the press box. It was kind of like a little league. It was nice from the little league field. It was like a little league field. We have the concession stand, you know, on the back of home plate, you know, facing out. Yeah. And like <laughs> you walked up and there was like press box that held maybe four people, like maybe five up above that. And like, this is a true story. 1989 or no, I'm sorry, 1987 back then, this is before the conferences figured out you want to have a host site. You can sell tickets in advance, but in 87, the sec was still team with the best regular season record hosted the baseball tournament. So we had the best regular season record in 1987. Um, and they didn't have a press box. They literally had to go buy like a bunch of, I don't even know if home Depot was around that back then, a bunch of lumber at home Depot and build this like ramshackle press box to hold like another dozen writers or so and put it next to the bleachers. But now George, I mean, George, I think is getting ready to upgrade the baseball facility again, you know, and, and it's a nice stadium. It's, it's probably not even the upper tier of sec stadiums. Uh, you know, they've got indoor batting cages and a lot of players used to have to dress over at the basketball Coliseum. There was no dressing facility at the stadium. Like, it doesn't even look the same. Like, like it, it's not even, it's not even close. And so anyway, you, you got me going. I can talk about college baseball in Georgia. Well, forever. we dressed, we dressed with the football players back in the day. Their locker room was not, I mean, theirs was a lot bigger than ours, but yeah. we dressed with the football players. I mean, it's like completely different now. And I, I just got to say this as a Georgia grad, 
How much are you walking around with the big chest saying, <laughs> we took down Nick Saban in Alabama, we're now the kings of college football? You've got to be strutting around like a peacock these days. It, it feels pretty good. It feels, <laughs> it feels pretty good. Like, uh, I, I will say – it was pretty like, I mean, obviously Alabama's, you know, it set the standard and like, like that game was tough. That game was hard. Like that was a tough win. I'll say this year's win was a little bit easier. Like I, I, I don't know which one I enjoy. I probably enjoyed the Alabama one more cause that was the first one and it was Alabama. And I will say took a lot of pride. Like it was pretty cool. when Nick Saban went out to shake Kirby smarts hand at the end of that game. And he shook his head and he said, you guys just kicked our ass in the fourth quarter. Like, yeah, the Alabama is usually the one that's trained the hardest and all that. And no, I'm very, very, very pleased. Very pleased. And just for our fans, because you know, our fan ever really, if you look at any fan base, ever since Moneyball, the book came out, and how our fan base loves prospects, loves minor league systems. Uh, once again, when are you doing these games down down in Arizona on MLB Network? Yeah. So Friday, Saturday. Sunday, we have a doubleheader on MLB Network Friday. We're doing game Saturday between Tennessee and Grand Canyon. And uh, I, I, I'm streaming Tennessee versus, I think, UC San Diego on Sunday. And we're in, like, I should know this off the top of my head, but I'm focused on college and the minor leagues right now. Where do these pick in the draft this year? Is it fifth? Seventh. We got, we got, we oh, got. They- we got hosed on the ball drop. Six. Yeah, and we were talking. We talked to Six. Eric Kubota on our podcast, and he was worried that might happen. Everybody, everybody who had a high pick was worried they might be the team that dropped it was them. And anyway, it was I was going to say, like, give you a couple guys to watch. Chase Dolander of Tennessee is the best college pitcher. He's probably not getting a number seven, but there's a kid, um, Jacob Wilson at Grand Canyon, son of Jack Wilson, who's probably the best pure hitter in terms of making contact. Uh, he's a shortstop at Grand Canyon. Um, he'll be on the Saturday game on, um, on MLB network. And I think they might be playing the first guy. I should know the scale. There's too many games. There's like seven teams, 12, 13 games. It's all right. We just know there's games. We know there's games. That's all that matters. Ace fans should watch Jacob Wilson because he could be the A's pick in July. And there's, there's other talented players out there too. What happened? Uh, He just disappeared nothing on our end i didn't touch anything huh? didn't you get to say goodbye to him i know i don't know what happened maybe maybe he'll rejoin if he rejoins i'll 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 bring him back up but yeah i saw the uc san diego coach on mlb network today promoting this uh big I, tournament oh wait Jim, there there he's back here yeah so uc san diego's coach was on mlb network earlier today promoting this sorry you left us you were talking about I, I know, uh, the, like, all the games i just got booted it like it, it asked me if i was still connected to the internet which i am i'm not sure what happened there so well i, I it's an exciting time as, as pitchers and catchers reported today we're gonna have games starting on the 25th but i think for all baseball fans watching you guys over the weekend Watch some really competitive, really quality baseball. I mean, we're ready for it. Once Super Bowl ends, I know we'll deal with March Madness coming up here, but right now, start a baseball, spring training games, and it's going to be great to see on MLB Network over the weekend. Thanks, Chris. You know, I was going to say one other thing that also incredible, thinking back to when you played when I started covering this college baseball. Back then, like ESPN had a game of the week, and it was like exciting. You know, you'd see Miami playing whoever. Now, with streaming, I don't know how many games you can watch, but you can, it feels like we can watch hundreds of games 
all season, you know, and then just the, when we get to the playoff, we get to the regionals and ESPN's got that whip around show where they take you 16 different regional sites and they're taking you from game to game to game yeah. to game. Like that's incredible thinking back to like how exciting it was. You got like one game a week on ESPN back in like 1990, you know, and maybe you get a couple regional games, you get the college world series. Now you can watch all these guys too. So it, it's great. It's, it's a lot of fun being able to see these guys um, as often as we can. Well, we had Ben McDonald on, right? And we're talking Orioles A's. But I was like, Ben, when I was in high school as, as, a, as an aspiring baseball player, you were a star to us. Like, he was LSU, Ben McDonald, this guy's the man. I mean, uh, Skip Bertman. I mean, this was LSU. I mean, he was, he was like an early baseball ESPN college baseball star. Well, he was. And if you remember, he was also – the victim of one of the more memorable home runs. Like when he was, I guess his freshman year in 1987, he gave up uh, a, I think it was a walk-off home run to Paul Carey of Stanford. Like extra inning game, Stanford went on to win the national title. Um, You know, he wound up going on to be the number one overall pick in the draft. You know, it's funny, the year he was number one overall pick in the draft, I saw him lose twice in Omaha and he might still hold the, he had a bad blister. Second game he pitched, he just got shelled. And he, I don't know if record i think set a record for most runs given up in a college world series game shortly after the orioles had made him the number one overall pick but no he was he was the guy at, at that point that was like year 25 of the draft he was like the most obvious number one pick in draft history like you knew going into the year ben was going one one and and he did he was kind of steven strasburg before steven strasburg <laughs> is what he was <laughs> and I'll tell you, because uh, David Esker, head coach at Stanford, has had so many of our players, especially when yeah. he was at Cal. Uh, we've had him on the program multiple times, wonderful guy. And, and we always talk about his great career as a head coach, but a lot of people forget that David Esker, going back, was on both those uh, championship teams for Stanford back in the 80s. I'm doing the the Desert Invitational. Ruben Amaro Jr. is going to be broadcasting, and Ruben Amaro Jr., was at least on the 87 team. I don't remember if he was on the 88 team. I, I They beat us. They beat Georgia's team at the College World Series in 87. And I remember Ruben Amaro on that team too. Yeah, no, it's like uh, I can talk about the College World Series forever. Like, that's what makes college be. I, college World Series to me is still my favorite event after all these years. I haven't gone the last couple of years because now with the draft combine, it makes it very tough to get out there, like with the way the draft schedules move around. But anybody who hasn't been to the College World Series – it's a great event. Omaha does a wonderful job. Uh, you see great baseball. You're going to see a bunch of future big leaguers. I cannot, but I think the two hidden gems in baseball are the College World Series and Arizona Fall League are, are, are still my two favorite events. Well, you're always fabulous. Thank you so much for your time. We're going to be watching you this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, MLB Network. You be well, and thanks for the time. Let's do this again soon. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me. I always enjoy talking about it. Jim Callis from MLB.com. Nobody does a better job covering the minor leagues than him. That's why when they have the draft, he's kind of like um, Mel, Mel Kiper. Todd McShay. Mel Kiper. Todd, 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 Todd. Great athleticism, great feet. <laughs> he's been the one picking a draft. He's great. He's great. So good stuff. All right, coming up next. We've been vindicated. We've been vindicated. And I'm going to tell you why next right here on A's Cast Live. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All righty, I've been thinking about this all day long. And actually all night long. Thank you, Lana Ritchie. All night long. That's our, all night. That's our good friend Alex Scott's mutual. That's his uh, go-to karaoke song. Is it really? Yes. <laughs> I have videos. I'll show you sometime. All right. I feel vindicated. And the reason why I feel vindicated, I feel vindicated for the show, too, is because we don't always give you false hustle. And I do believe there's a lot of people out there that give you false hustle. The king of false hustle, but he really wasn't false hustle, was our own Eric Burns. Because Eric Burns was just always hustling. People saw it as false hustle. Diving for balls he didn't need to dive for, false hustle. But as we all know, as he continues to run mega marathons and do all the crazy stuff that he does, that's just who he is. It's not false hustle. But in our business, there's a ton of false hustle. But it's but it's instead of false hustle, let's call it false enthusiasm. To where now everybody's now programmed to just be like, everything is so great. I'm so stoked for today's pitching matchup. I'm stoked. This is incredible. Oh, my God, these players' shoes. Did you see the shoes? Isn't this the coolest thing ever? I mean, it's just like, my God, are you serious? It's fake. You know, people are getting jobs in baseball now who've never worked in baseball. And then now, like, everything, they, they try and cover it like, 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 like other sports do. You can't be so excited every day. Like, every day, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. What's that Lego song, Everything is Awesome or whatever? Yeah. yeah. Everything can't be sunshine, lollipops, and unicorns, folks. There's one show on MLB Serious. I'm not going to mention her name or the show, but it's just like, oh, my God, you are so fake. Like, it's fake. We're not fake here. It's real. We care. I've worked in baseball probably 30 years now, something like that. I care. I want this game to be great. He cares. We're not going to show up every single day and be like, this is the best thing that's ever happened. Oh, my God, this matchup. Oh, my God. I mean, it's just seriously. If I have to hear stoked again like it's back in the 80s from people talking about pitching matchups where both guys are lucky to be able, able to go five innings, I'm over it. We don't give you false enthusiasm. We have fun, but we are also, what's best for the game? Let's discuss the game. And sometimes I felt like they were like, God, are we being a little negative talking about how long the games are? Because I get all you, all you super long game people call me in the postgame show. I don't care how long it takes. Oh, really? Because you don't have to get up with your kids and get them to school and get to your job and do all that. You, You could be at the ballpark all night long on a Tuesday. Doesn't work for 98% of the people. And I kept bringing you data. I give you all the data in the world that super long games, the ratings for television, gone. 
uh, the meters for radio, how we in terrestrial radio register what the numbers are, they're all gone. They're all gone. After 10 o'clock, things just go off the... Even your precious Golden State Warriors. They the stink. Warriors. They stink. The precious Warriors. Can't criticize Joe Lickham and the Warriors. It's the greatest thing ever. Yes, after 10 o'clock, their numbers go down. I know it. I've seen it. I used to do the Warriors postgame show. Nothing long works. Long movies, long shows, long anything. Nobody wants. Except like 2% of you. We can't do business on 2%. Can't. Couldn't stand pitchers, couldn't stand position players pitching. It drove me nuts. We we everybody wanted to talk about how we're looking at the, you know, let's validate real baseball. What's real baseball? Don't make this embarrassing, right? They come up with all this stuff and you'd be like, wait a minute. You're worried about guys pimping home runs and you're worried about all this kind, but you're not worried about Position players coming in in the sixth inning, the seventh inning. You remember last year? I think it was last year. I I called you. It was a day game in Detroit. I don't know who Detroit was playing. But they start bringing in position players like in the sixth inning. Cody Clemens. I I remember this. Son of Roger Clemens makes his debut as a pitcher. He's an outfielder. It was a joke. They turn there, and, and these position players are guys they don't care about. So they don't care if they throw them out. They started using their position players as a as a staff. Gabe Kapler came on for the Giants after games and talked about, we only care about today's matchup. We don't care if we use position players to pitch. It's all about today's matchup. Tomorrow we'll worry about tomorrow, and it saves our bullpen for tomorrow. But we're just going to do it to – what? You're going to routinely do this? The worst ever. The Dodgers punted a game at home against the Mets – in like the sixth inning or seventh inning. Now, this was now an easy win for the Mets. The Dodgers are quitting. Dodgers are only down like five runs. Dodgers are now going to position players. They didn't want to pitch guys for, I can't remember the exact reasons. Buck Showalter, manager of the of the Mets, who wants the win, flips out. Because the comp- you've just embarrassed the competition. Buck Showalter goes out, starts ripping the manager. He starts pointing over to Dave Roberts. The Mets don't want you to quit. You had a Major League Baseball team look to the other dugout and go, what are you guys doing? You're quitting. Even though you're now giving the Mets the victory, the Mets don't want it. They want to play the game and be legitimate. They had to complain. To the umpires, why are you allowing that? What are we doing here? This team is quitting in the middle of the game. Do you remember that? I do. I'm trying to remember when this. I'm trying to, I was trying to see when that was. Yep. Trailing the Mets 9-4, entering the ninth inning. Dodgers 9-4! Attempt to use position player Zach McKinstry to pitch in the ninth inning against the Mets. This is back on June 4th of 2020. Of and Buck it's like, like what, this isn't 10 runs. This isn't 10 runs. This is – you can't come back from four or five runs in a game in, in one – in one series of at-bats, in one inning? I mean, the Mets were like, I might have got the innings wrong, but I remember Buck Showalter was angry after the game, was ripping it. Dave Roberts was trying to defend it. It was like, you're making a mockery of the game. Okay? So let me give you these numbers. Last year, in Major League Baseball, not counting Shohei Otani, he doesn't count. 
132 position players were used in 2022. 132. That's basically one per day. Slightly less than one per day. So what became the novelty of years ago, you're getting beat by 10 runs, you put a guy in, everybody laughs. This became almost an everyday occurrence. No more. New rules cannot do it. It's just, it, it, it got to be absolutely a- a- embarrassing. The new guidelines. Leading teams have to be up by 10 or more runs in the ninth inning in order to let a position player pitch, while trailing teams can use a position player anytime it's down eight or more runs. So the rule used to be, I have it right here, when the Mets were beating the Dodgers 9-4, when they, the Dodgers tried to bring in McKinstry to finish out the game, the umpires didn't allow it because the position players could only appear in regulation when the margin was at at least six runs. Yeah. They were only down five. So we got to get rid of this. I mean, it's it, it, it was – so all these different things – Shifting, bad for the game, right? Long games, bad for the game. Position players, all the stuff we kept harping on, all the rules have been changed. And that's why I say validation. This is the stuff we were complaining about. We knew bad for, bad for, bad for baseball. Other sports, people knew Allowing defenders to put elbows into players' side and be grabbing players and doing this was bad for baseball. I mean, bad for basketball. Scoring was down. Can't hand check anymore. Days are over. DBs mugging wide receivers, even though it's got a little crazy now, but DBs mugging wide receivers, not good for the game. Taking quarterbacks' heads off and knocking quarterbacks out with concussions, not good for the game. It's not enough quarterbacks to play, right? I mean, you can look through all these different sports. They make changes to the rules, what's better for the game. Do I want to see Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Yammer Yager, beautiful skaters, beautiful athleticism in hockey, or do I want to see clutch and grab where everybody's taking everybody down? Playing like the New Jersey Devils back in the day in front of Martin Brodeur. Wow. The half-court trap and mugging everybody. Do you want to see... Beautiful skaters and beautiful hockey, or do you want to see a bunch of goons ripping people down to the ice? Watch it last night. Beautiful skating. Penguins beat the Sharks. I was there watching it. Sidney Crosby, beautiful skater. Did they not change the rules? Yes. They changed the rules to make hockey better. This is what we're doing, you archaic dinosaurs who don't want anything to change. You have to change. You have to modernize your game to make it better. And you know the funniest thing? Is because remember when we talked about it, even our own broadcasters didn't, you know. I mean, people did not like it. Like, I can't, no, they don't like it. All of a sudden, once the report started coming from the minor leagues, right, of how everybody likes it, the time's changing, faster pace, the games are better, they're more entertaining, the get off my lawn crowd backed up really fast. Like, even David Forst. Our general manager talked about it was tough to watch minor league games, which was all good, to come back to watch big league games because it was kind of boring. That's the GM of a team. All the scouts are saying, oh, you're going to love the new rules. They're way better. So all the people at the big league level, the get-off-my-lawn people who never want to see change, I don't want my game ever changed, have all been moonwalking back like Michael Jackson, backpedaling like Deion Sanders, 
because all the data shows it's better for the game. Changes are better. And that's what we talked about. So I feel vindicated. It might have seemed like times we were being negative and harping on baseball, but we were doing it because we care. Because we're not going to be the fake enthusiast, the fake enthusiasm show. Where once again, we're just stoked about today's matchup. It's so great. No, we're going to talk about the sport. Sport needed a change, and that's what's happening. And I'm happy that we stayed on the forefront and we talked about it ever since we created A's Cast. And I did this all the way back when I was on 95.7 The Game. I was always saying, hey, man, this is not trending good. Every year, we're trending to over three hours a game. You can get away with that in the NFL and in college football because it's one day a week. You cannot get away with that when you play every day, especially at times where it's cold, school's still in session. So it's tough. Hey, you want to go to the game? Well, I can't. My kids. I got to go to work tomorrow. But summertime comes around. Well, okay, maybe it's going to be a lot easier for parents to bring kids to the ballpark knowing that the game could end at 9-9-15 versus 10-30 at night. And and American League, we trended longer. We were, I mean, it was brutal. It was brutal. So all these, am I, oh, changes to pitchers. Now we're actually going to call. We're actually going to actually, no more rocking. You can't kind of come set and, and you can't see my foot, but have the foot going and then stop and then go, no. Can't do any of that anymore. And baseball admitted that we haven't been calling our own rules. They're admitting that their umpires weren't calling the exact rules that they were supposed to be calling with pitchers, which is the same thing with hitters. The umpire, I mean, the reason why we have a pitch timer is because the umpires didn't enforce the rules. Get in the box. Don't get out of the box. Don't get out. Mar- uh, no more Garcia Parra. And every single pitch, Mark can't have to redo your batting gloves. That's what that technically is not allowed. Once you get in the box, get in the box. But umpires didn't umpires didn't enforce, so they had to create all this stuff. Whatever it's created, now it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. I don't see in any way how this is gonna be bad for baseball. The one, the one that I will give you that you go, eh, I gotta see it. It's it's the whole throwing over how many times you can throw over. But you know what? It's now changing. Is there anything worse than half-ass throw-over, half-ass throw-over, half-ass throw-over, where the, you're just turning and you're getting the guy to go back. You're not even trying to get him. So you're calling out John Lester? Well, actually, he didn't throw he over. Would, wait, John, John Lester <laughs> couldn't throw over. That's a horrible example. But really for right-handers, they just turn and just throw it to first base because they have to throw it because you just want the guy diving back. Unnecessary motion, no purpose. Everything now has a purpose. You're going to have a purpose. If you're going to throw over to first, you're just not throwing over. You're throwing over with a purpose. And it's got to be in a timely fashion. So I don't see how it's going to be bad. I just don't. Now, that that is, once again, the one rule that could go bad. We'll see. And that's one they could change pretty quick. But bringing athleticism, stolen bases, movement, 90 feet, more of all of that, I think we'll, in the end, we'll look, go, you know what, this is actually pretty good for the game. And I'm telling you right now, if you hate the, the, the runner in extra innings, there's no data to support you that 18 innings is good. 
And I heard Tim Kirchin and Buster only yesterday. And Tim Kirchin is like, Buster, some of the best games I've ever had, I've ever covered, have been 18. Have you ever heard him talk? 18 inning games, and they were great. And these are the best athletes in the world. I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm going to call up baseball players the best athletes in the world. But according to Tim Kirchin, they are. And they should be able to play extra innings and not affect. And Buster's like, well, Tim, yeah, putting guys out there for four and a half hours, potential risk of more injury with the amount of money we're paying these guys. Uh, so to, 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 to have games that are 13, 14, 15, 16, they ruin your bullpen. They ruin both teams' bullpens. It's, it's, it's just, it's pointless. It's pointless. And once again, they were talking from the aspect of playing, money, injuries. Why are we doing this? Tim Kirchin's just like, guys, it's some of the greatest games I've ever covered, which what the hell does that mean? Um, I come at from a data standpoint of no one's watching it. Like, I can prove to you. No television ratings. Well, first of all, how many times do you see a game that's in the 16th inning, guy hits a ball down the right field line, foul territory, and there's nobody there? So no one's in the stadium. No one's watching on TV. No one's listening. Who's this game for? Makes no sense. There's a couple things. Um, one rule that we forget about that baseball made that this helped the game. Uh, remember that three batter minimum that everyone was up in arms about? How much does that save it's the gonna game? It's going to ruin the game. It's going to ruin the game. Um, actually, it's actually helped the game. I'm tired of seeing a, pit, a different pitcher for a different every every batter. And I'm a guy that loves bullpenning. But that, uh, that actually helped the game. J.J. Uh, Bleday came on and says he – Loves the, the idea of the shift being gone. He thinks the pitch timer is going to help the game. And I know Jim Cowles came on and said he d- doesn't think the shift will help the game, but he gave a good explanation why he, th- he thinks that why hitters won't benefit, which I kind of agree with when you talk about someone like Joey Gallo. Sure. Uh, position players. But whenever you always go to the one guy. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's just it, it's it's I'll it, give you a, a good. All right. Hold on, let me explain, because you used to be a victim of this. You would try and get in debates, and your answer would be the same guy. And when you have a league that's had over 20,000 players playing it, and you keep going to one guy, that guy becomes what? An outlier? An outlier. Well, actually, he, he is the outlier. So <laughs> if, if everything is always going to come back to Joey Gallo, it's hard for me to say, well, wait a minute. Is he the only guy playing? It's the same thing with Jacob DeGrom. Everything came back to DeGrom. Couldn't come back to anybody else. Comes back to DeGrom. So if your answer, and I've grilled him so much that we had an intern that was a Mets fan, and we would get it, and he'd always want to get into it with us. And what would his answer always be? DeGrom. DeGrom. And I go, Cody, do you now see the outlier? (laughs) When your answer always is Joey Gallo or Jacob DeGrom, that's not a good answer anymore. But, yeah, I mean, you can't just always say, well, Joey Gallo. Yeah, was, back in the day, it was Rob Deere. Rob Deere used yeah, to – I, I remember looking up his numbers. Strikeout galore. Uh, so, the opposite for Gallo would be – I think Corey Seager and Hembo mentioned it. I think Corey Seager is going to benefit probably the most as a lieutenant hitter off of the shift. you got guys like Freddie Freeman. He's not going to benefit defensively. Yeah, well, that's, that's okay. The Rangers will sacrifice <laughs> that for his bat. Uh, I think Rangers biggest question. I've been reading biggest questions going into spring training. Do you know what the Rangers biggest question is? No, it's not DeGrom already not throwing on day one. What is the biggest question? 
Um, I assume it has something to do with their starting pitching and no. Getting, oh wow, no, it's not their durability. Nope. Rangers' biggest question heading into spring. I read all these. I actually have it up here. If you want to go team by team, I could. Uh, I, if it's not pitching, I don't know. Left field. The left field is the biggest question for the Texas Rangers. Well, I know Garcia will be out there. Uh, I don't even know who their other outfielders are. I'd have to look at their roster. Uh, the one for us is, once again, where they go to? And starting it, pitching. pitching. That's not the biggest question. Biggest question is not starting pitching. I know we got a bunch of guys who can take the ball. Biggest question for the A's, how are we – write it down. How are we – going to score runs. How are we going to score runs? Seven words. I would big here in caps, but I here you go. Uh, the A's in 2022. Now I know different team. Uh, second fewest runs scored in the American League of 568. Third fewest home runs in the American League of 137. They had the lowest uh, batting average, team batting average at 216. The lowest on-base percentage at 281 and the lowest OPS. That's on-base plus slugging if you don't know what OPS is. 627, that was the lowest. Those are the three lowest, third fewest home runs, second fewest. This is all in the American League. Uh, yeah, I, and if you tell me, oh, I don't know who the clo- – does it matter who the closer is if you're not scoring runs? No. If, no. if it's not Trevor May it's, – It's literally a worthless position. If you don't score runs, you don't have a closer. If you don't score run- – if you're not leading at the end of a lot of your games, you don't have a closer. Because there's other, there's other positions on the A's that are, Who's playing first base? Who's playing in the infield besides Nick Allen? As we talk, who's playing left field? There's all things that are they're bigger than starting pitching. Uh, you're left. Clint Frazier, Mark oh. Mathis, Josh Smith, Bubba Thompson, and Ezekiel Duran. Duran's a former top prospect. Is uh, that's who they have being in your uh, in your left field? Do you know who the number one question is for the team that could take down the Yankees finally in the East? This might be the year. Toronto? What is Toronto's biggest question heading into spring training? This is the best. I love these lists. Uh, they entertain me. At it, night when everybody's asleep. Does it have something to do with Bo Bichette's defense? No. Uh, no, it's better. It's Vl- better. Vlad Guerrero's defense. No, it's even better than that. This is the best. You're gonna. You're actually going to. I'm going to get a big chuckle out of you. Will Donnie Baseball help the hitting? No. Will Donnie Baseball play? No. <laughs> I don't know. Just tell me. How healthy is Brandon Belt? <laughs> I told uh, you. I mean, that's every year. It's every year at the guy. Belt had knee surgery in September, his third surgery on his knee since 2018. Blue Jays gave him a one-year contract because they badly needed lefty bats to to to, to diverse, diversify their lineup. This is not the Giants. This is the Blue Jays. Number one question going into spring training. Well, he's going to be there. the he, hell the Brandon Belt. He'll be their DH, which <laughs> or he might he might give days for Vlad to play DH. I your actually, Mar- hey, your Mariners, Jared Kelnick, will he figure it out? I mean, could be future pirate if they trade for Brian Reynolds. How much production can the new outfielders for the Giants? That's theirs. As the Giants, as uh, old Mitchie Haniger now will be front of the program since I. Did the uh, event, oh, the Santa, Santa Clara County Baseball uh, Banquet. Conforto. Uh, Mitch Haniger played in 57 games, and Conforto played in? Uh, ooh, zero. So, between two guys, they had 57 games. Their projection, the big key. Uh, do you know what the Padres is? Someone Tatis. That has to be. No. Will they bring back Jerickson Profar? No. And, by the way, Jerickson Profar 
top they have a they have a bunch of lists of top fifty free agents. They're all signed with teams, whether it was their original team or the new team. Only guy not signed is Profar. Yeah, Waka signed this morning with the Padres. That was reported. Not top fifty free agent. Yeah, uh, for Padres would be is that offense or defense or offense or pitching? Are they ready? Oh Jesus. Are they are the Padres ready to take the mantle? It has nothing to do. It's more of will you? How many games are you going to get out of Tatis? Oh, and where's he going to play? Your Pirates. Oh. How long does Ryan Re- Brian Reynolds last? Hey, he did say this morning he's open to an extension, but he still wants to be traded. So what do you want, man? Which one is it? Phillies. Can they survive the Bryce Harper injury the way they did last year? Can the fill the fight in Phils? Can they win a Super Bowl? Oh, Philadelphia, tough. Yankees. Luck. Who's going to be the shortstop? Tough, tough, tough. A uh, few months for Philadelphia. Everyone talks about how their championships. Their loser city. Wow. From brotherly love to to choke job, huh? You lost three. You lost the MLS Cup. You lost in the World Series, and now the Super Bowl. Twins. Carlos Correa's ankle. Wait a minute. When 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 did this become a problem? Yeah, I know. It, it, it's he played in hundred and fifty something games last year. Yeah. This, he had this surgery years ago because some surgeon out here for the Giants who's never looked at the patient, never touched the patient, never talked to the patient, never examined the patient, looked at an X-ray and went, I'm not sure about that. And now we're worried about his ankle? Here, I don't even cover the Twins on a daily basis. I'll tell you, will they get enough out of their starting pitchers? That's the biggest, that's the biggest, story, biggest question. To me, unbelievable. But I want to get back to the the vindication. I do. Oh, don't look, don't you feel good about it? Yeah, I was gonna say. You know how much I hated position players pitching, and I mean, so, it was it was a, a travesty. A's used three of them last year. Can you name who the three guys were? A's used three position players last year to pitch. If I did my math right, it was three. I don't remember. Uh, one would be Chad Pinder, new Cincinnati Red. She. Is he, I don't know if he's still with the Rays. Uh, Christian Bethencourt. And uh, where were you? Oh, that's when, right. Bethencourt was throwing gas. Where were you when Sheldon? Where were season. you and Sheldon Noisy through some? Through some I, rem- I remember <laughs> Sheldon Noisy, and I remember Bethencourt. I do not remember Chi Chad on Pinder, the mound. P- Pinder pitched in one game, he gave up three runs. Uh, Noisy didn't give up any runs in three and two thirds, and uh, Bethencourt no runs in, th- in an inning. So Chi was the only one who gave up some runs. That's new red Chad Pinder. That 132 number you gave of position players last year up from 32 five years ago. So in 20, well, 2017, we had 32. Five years later, we had 132 last year. It's You're legislating against the front offices. That's, all, that, that, that's what baseball's doing. And you know what? That's what baseball should do. And front offices should always figure out a way to win games with what they got. David Force says it. We mentioned it earlier. Tell me how we can play. That's what we're going to do. So you start seeing that front offices, all the shifting. Got to change that. Position players, got to change. You know, position players pitching, got to change it. Baseball has to govern itself. Baseball has to make sure it, it runs its show, its game. And if front offices start tweaking stuff, that's not good for the game, but there's not a rules against it. Guess what? Make a rule against it. Because basically, you had too many teams punting games and saying, ah, this game now doesn't matter. Throw position players, save my pitching, which could be smart. But is it for what's best for the game? No. Is it legitimacy? No. 
No. I can't stand – I'm so glad that there's a limit on that now. That I mean, I'm not a guy – I mean, you're, everyone knows this, that watches the show or knows me. I, did, I was just a fan of the shift. I know it, it took away action and all that. And, you know, I grew up watching the team that, besides the Rays, that championed it in the, in the, mid, in the aughts. The Pirates were good because of the shift. They were really good at limiting hitters from getting base hits. But then it started destroying the game because nobody caught on base. So, yeah, this is going to help a lot. The pitch timer is going to help a lot, too. Selfishly, because I've watched plenty of we've watched plenty of minor league games. We saw fast it is. The average game last year in Major League Baseball was three hours and three minutes. If you shave off twenty six minutes, like they say, well, you're looking at two hours and what and what thirty seven minutes per game. So two. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times over the years I'm getting done with post game shows after midnight. Yeah, and that's it's ridiculous. In theory, six forty. In, in theory, six forty game if it went two and a half hours. Again, we over at nine ten ish. And you be you could be technically off the air by before ten thirty. It's ridiculous. It's so, how long these games are getting is ridiculous. And and, and 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 the other thing that the whole beat the shit. Well, why don't they just hit ground balls? Why don't they bond? It's like, do you go to a golf tournament when Tiger Woods was in his prime to watch him hit seven iron off the tee? Um, no, uh, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say you want to no. watch him with the driver. Go grip it and rip it. When, whenever do we want to see someone these great athletes not perform at the highest level? And, and do, we we really I I want to see Matt Olson bunt when he was with the A's, or do I want to see Matt Olson grip it and rip it? I, I watch golf to see Bryson DeChambeau putt. <laughs> I'm watching Bryson DeChambeau hit the ball 340 yards because it's amazing. <laughs> that's I mean that and that's what. Well, Tony, why don't they just learn to hit ground ball? Well, how about we just get rid of shifting and, you know, we can make every golf course where you can make the greatest golfers in the world. Or Pete Sampras. Pete Sampras, when he was in his prime, with that power serve at that's, Wimbledon was unbeatable. I'd say that's tennis for everyone who knows who Pete Sampras is. If you there, don't know there, Pete there, Sampras no, there are there, Everyone's going to think of uh, Nadal and Yeah, Cliff but Federer. no one at Wimbledon hit it like Sampras. Sampras dominated. I still believe he has the most Wimbledon titles. What you, you want to? You don't want to see him power. You don't want to see his power on that grass. You want to hear him just hit a little slider in there? No, you're there to see Pete Sampras hit it 118 miles an hour. That's why when people say about hit the ball to hit the ball down the third base line, that's like it's not like telling a quarterback to instead of throwing it right all the time, throw it left. You can't. You can control where you're throwing the football when you. It takes a lot of. You don't want to see quarterbacks rip it deep. No, I no, re- dump off all day long. Let's just watch. Dump I want to see. I'm gonna, well, I don't want to say because I love the guy, but I'm going to say it anyway. I want to see the Derek Carr check down on third and fifteen. <laughs> Live that. Uh, <laughs> oh, the Warriors—they're the greatest shooting backcourt. What you 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 want people to be able to go out and mug them, and now they're playing for layups. I prefer watching Seth Curry shoot an eight-foot jumper. No, 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 no. You, you should want to – if you want Matt Olson to bunt and hit ground balls to the left side, you much rather watch Curry shoot layups. And people say that's ridiculous. I know. That's what we've been trying to say. That's why this shift needs to go. We need to see the infield open up, not how everybody on one side of the field. You need to legislate against what's bad for your game. And if you don't like it, well, t- tough. You're our – you're not you're not archaic if you like the shifts because the shifts are a new thing. Yeah, they want. I mean, but shifting. I mean, I don't know watching watching third baseman play right field. I mean, Manny after Machado. a while, it's like it's not. How was that fun? I mean, for us, Marcus Simeon playing rover all the time in front of the right fielder, getting ground balls, and throw, it's like this is just bad. 
It's not good for the game. And then you wonder why everybody's hitting 230. You're, you're, you didn't tell Remember, me. one hit a week. One extra hit a week. One hit every two weeks dramatically changes your batting average. Corey Seager would want for if he take if he lost 25 hits in the shift last year. He hit like 240 something, I think. You add those 25 hits to his his average, he's up to like 289. He goes from being a whatever hitter to a that's actually pretty solid for a guy that they're paying that money to. Well, and pitchers and catchers report today for the A's, and we'll end on this. Um, there, lot, are a cu- there are a couple updates from camp we can give, too. A lot of new guys. I mean, there is a lot of new guys. I got a list of all the main there's, guys. There's another one today, accordingly, too, according to Matt Who do Kawahara. we sign today? So, according to Matt Kawahara this morning of the San Francisco Chronicle, um, here's a couple things. Uh, first of all, James Caprillian said his October shoulder procedure on his AC joint was pretty non-invasive, and the shoulder is coming along. He said he has thrown off a mound three times before camp and hopes to be ready to start the season. That's one. Paul Blackburn says his finger is doing well. He has thrown off a mound four or five times and doesn't feel behind at all entering camp. That's two. Wait, wait. Finger? Blackburn, I mean, now with Cole gone, it's a finger. You have an offseason to heal fingers. We have hand doctors. Finger is not UCL. This isn't rotator cuff. Blackburn's got to be ready to rock. Yeah, he might be the opening day starter. That we don't know for sure. But. I mean, you can't can't be you can't you can't have lingering finger problems. Yeah, no. Um, and then, uh, according to Matt Kawahara of the Chronicle, reliever Drew Steck, uh, Steckenrider is in Ace Camp as a non-roster invite. He's a right-hander who spent the last two years in the Mariners organization. Had a two had a two. Not to say he is two point zero zero ERA, so a two ERA. In 62 outings for Seattle in 2021, he had a little down year last year, but he's a non-roster invite. I believe he's I don't I didn't fact check his days. I think he's like 31. You're gonna see NRI a lot, NRI non-roster invitee. You're gonna see that a lot. So if you wonder what what's NRI in articles, there you go. Strecken Rider, uh, just turned 32 from the University of. And hey, where are you getting Strecken Rider? Second Rider, yeah. I, don't know. I kept typing in an R. That's like a character in a movie, wasn't it? Strecken Rider? Sounds like a movie. Sounds like a movie villain already. <laughs> well, a lot of new guys, and you'll be able to follow it. I got a list of I got a list of all these all of our pitchers and so many I mean, the holdovers, not a lot. And you're gonna have a bunch of guys who are acquired in the offseason. There are some holdovers, but you know, this is this is this is this is a time and I wonder when we eventually have our first interview and we start doing the Mark Kotze show. You know, last year was last year was a year of it was such transition and it was such guys getting traded away, guys who were kind of the heartbeat of the team getting traded away, going in a different direction. Um, you knew there was going to be a lot of players used. That was last year. I wonder if the message this year to some of these guys is everybody says you're going to stink. Are you, are you okay with that? How are you, how are you, how are you taking on this spring training? I mean, shouldn't you have a chip on your shoulder if you're an Oakland A's player? And if you don't have one, maybe you should. Maybe it should be that conversation. Say, Hey, listen, there's a lot of people who don't think you should be here. They don't think you're good enough to play at this level. 
Hell, these projections have us only winning 62 games. They got you being another another 100-loss year. And that's a reflection of you. When you put that uniform on and people say that you're going to lose 100 games, that's a reflection of you, the player. They're looking at you. They're going through this list. They're going, okay, Langoliers, Manny Pena, uh, I don't know, Soderstrom maybe at some point, Susak, the guy was just out of Arizona. Uh, you got Acevedo, you got Blackburn, De La Cruz. Uh, okay, he's a former prospect for that. Jake Fishman. Huh? Fuji, can Fuji throw strikes and get people out? JT Ginn, uh, he was part of that trade for Bassett, right? What's he going to be? What's he going to? Hogan Harris, is he going to come? Oh, uh, that's my guy. I told you he's a sleeper. Dalton Jeffries is hurt. Can Jack Jack, what, what you, Zach Jackson, Denny Jimenez give you back? I mean, Trevor Mays there. Okay, is he going to stay healthy? Mason Miller. Ooh. Pittsburgh kid. A lot of people talked about him. I mean, JPC, I got a list of all these guys. Well, people see your name and they go, nah, not going to work. So I wonder if Mark Kotze, who always had a chip on his shoulder as a player. He had a chip on his shoulder as a player in college. I know because I played against him. He had a chip on his shoulder as a player. Is it now? You know, last year was different. Everybody was kind of wounded going into the season. Like, all these trades, and oh, my God, uh, this is crazy. And uh, No. All right. That year's over. Are people coming to compete and to win? And do you know everybody thinks you can? How do you feel about that? I mean, how would you feel about that? I mean, do, do you take – I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't read, I don't read. Well, maybe you should. Maybe you should put all this stuff up in the, in the, in the clubhouse and put in these guys' lockers saying, hey, everybody thinks you're, you're crap. Bulletin board material. Put it in the locker. This is what they say about you. We need to get that drop from uh, Major League where he goes – Every team has picked us to finish last. Every sports writer has picked us to finish last, and uh, to finish last. And then he, Lou, Lou Brown goes on to give the I'm all for giving the Riders a big old bleep burger to, to, to chew on. I mean, are we taking that approach? I mean, because that's because in the end, they can talk about stadium issues. You can talk about all the stuff going on, but that's not when they say the A's are going to lose a bunch of games, that's because of you, the player in uniform. You play. The Oakland Coliseum or Howard Terminal, they're not playing. You've been picked. You're getting paid. You're the professional players. You have to show up. Can you compete at this level? Because there's a lot of people saying no. How do you feel about that? I already know how J.J. Blade feels. He's ready. First thing he said was, I'm ready to come win. I want to compete. I want to compete for a job, and I want to win. That's one. Where are the other 25 guys, and how do they feel? How does the manager feel? How do the coaches feel? I know how I feel. I know how I would feel if I was a player. I'm coming here. I'm I'm. I'm coming. I'm coming not to have someone take my lunch money. I'm coming here to take their lunch money. Do you want to be a chump? Because a lot of people think you're not. I mean, our guys aren't major league players. You want to prove them wrong? Prove them right. What do you want to do? 
Because last year you proved them right. Fair. This year is about proving them wrong. Yep, and we'll, we can get into it more on Friday because Pakoda did release their projections. I did. So we're like, what, 62, right? Uh, No. 61? No. 60? Higher. 64. Higher. Shut up. Tease it. Shut Tease up. It. Tease it. Over 64. So, before we go. Take the season total over now. Pitchers and catchers. Because Pakoda never likes us. Yeah. Did that come out today? Uh, Yesterday, actually. So, they really sound about Great Tuesday news dump. So that's the thing I was ta- I, when I was listening to Buster Only last night. They were talking about that. That's why when I said it earlier, I thought they said it was sixty-two. Uh, nope. Let me. You sure? Because I'll gladly say Buster and and uh, and our guy uh, Tim Kirchin were wrong because they were. Oh, it's over. I'm not telling you. We'll tease it for Friday. We'll go over all of it and who's well. It's not gonna be a shocker who they picked to have the most wins this year. But I do want to get this. I'm going to guess the Astros. No. Well, Yankees. There you go. Uh, pitch- it can't be their darling, darling, the Dodgers. Dodgers. Dodgers legit. Oh, what's the dot? Do you know what the Dodgers number one question is? Who's playing second base? No. Will the lineup be too top heavy? Fair question. That's actually a fair question. Right. They don't have. Uh, Trey Turner, Justin Turner, Belly, as you like to call him. But they do have Betts, Freeman, and Will Smith. But what are they going to get out of Max Muncy? Will Chris Taylor have a backup year? Does, does, does J.D. Mar- Can you let me finish? Here? Oh, sorry. Can J.D. Martinez, does he have anything left in the tank? Gavin Lux have a breakout season. Vargas at second base was a prospect. Uh, I, did, did I... Another one, um, what's his name, who they just signed at shortstop? Miguel Rojas. Yes, he's about Trace Thompson. Will he hit threes like he's his play, brother? He's, he's playing He's playing for Great Britain in the uh, World Baseball Classic. Will the lineup be too top-heavy? Okay, that that's another thing that gets me about the World Baseball Classic, and maybe we'll save that for another day. On how – let's find how we can get Major League Baseball players on all these teams. Not Team USA, because we want this thing to be competitive. Because you already know Venezuela, Dominican, United States, you're going to have all Major League Baseball players. So how can we get all these other teams? How can we just get players? What, 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 you, had a, you, you got a relative that's, that has a little bit of Italian? <laughs> you're on Team Italy. Yeah, it's like Vance Vance Worley's playing for someone. Might be great, but he's on someone's team. He's a pitch in the majors in like five years. I mean, they're finding any way they can to get guys on certain teams to make this competitive. That's where it's kind of like it's like the Olympics. Not really. I think it starts March March eighth. I think is when maybe it's March eighth or March eleventh. One of them. I'll, I, you know, I'm going to give it my honest try this year because in the past I have not. We have a spring training game against Columbia. The A's do. Columbia University? No, Columbia, the country. Oh. So it's an exhibition. So I think the actual tournament starts on the 11th. Yeah. I'm, well, not a, I'm, I, I'm, more into, I'm more into A slash college basketball mode by March time. Yeah, it's fair. It's March Madness. I, I get it. I mean, to me, we already have months of baseball coming our way. Months. Months every day, you know. I know these guys who get all giddy. You know, certain writers. What they, you know, technically, 
a lot of the people you read, they don't go to games every day. Yeah, true. They're not like we are. They're not spending that much time at games. They're not seeing as much live baseball as we do. And they're not watching every road game. Nor are they keeping score for every game. So if I'm not so, oh, World Baseball Classic, I have a lot of baseball that's in front of me. That's 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 fair. All right. Let me, let me get this in. All right. Flash, spring training. Spring training flash sale. Pitchers and catchers officially reported to Arizona. Today was the first day. Grab your sunglasses, A's gear, and this great deal to get ready for some fun in the sun. Act fast as you can get $5 lawn seats and $15 terrace box seats from today until Friday at 11.59 p.m. Pacific Center Time. So from today till Friday at 11.59 p.m., you can get $5 lawn seats and $15 Terrence, Terrence, Terrace box seats for A spring training games against Arizona, Kansas City, the Guardians, and Columbia, the aforementioned Columbia, the World Baseball Classic Exhibition Game, athletics.com slash tickets, the special A spring training flash sale, which started today, ends on Friday, 11.59 p.m. And you can also get your regular season tickets there as well. Athletics.com slash tickets. It's nothing better than going down. Spring training baseball. Having a cold one. Enjoying hot dogs, sausage, food trucks down the left field line at Ho-Ho-Com. I mean, Cam-Com. What do we call it? Ho-Ho-Cam? Ho-Ho-Cam, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's pretty sweet. We'll be down there on the 21st. We don't really see any games, but we'll be down there. Doesn't matter. I'll be in shorts. Can't wait to be in shorts and not cold. Can't wait for some warm weather. We were just down there in January. It was awesome. A little cold, but yeah, it was great. Yeah, this is going to be warmer. <laughs> yeah. Right? Some days maybe 80. It'll be like, ah, oh, I need sunscreen. It's the last time you put sunscreen on. Last summer. I mean, seriously. I'm looking forward to some warm weather. Maybe get by the pool while we're down there. So we'll be back Friday at our normal time, 1. Uh, we'll have Eno Saris, but we're going to have – Evan Drellicon, who wrote the book about the Astros. Oh, my God. I was reading today. So, it's on The Athletic right now. They do an interview. Even though he's from The Athletic, they do an interview with him about his book. And, man. I'm excited. To read. Baseball is just so clearly in this book. It's going to tell you. Clearly. Backing up what Jim Crane said to KMBR's morning show off the air at the AT&T at Pebble Beach, a lot of people were doing it. And you know who's ri- you know who you know who got out you know who got away with flat out cheating and nothing, like not even anything, because the Red Sox got hit a little bit, Yankees at least there was a, a press release thing, Dodgers got away with everything they did with nothing. Dodgers get brought up in the book. This book, I can't wait to read it. It's just because Drellich covered the Houston Astros. So before he goes to work for the Athletic, he's got all of this stuff of, you know, there was at one point a coup to try and get Jeffrey Lunau out because he's a tyrant. He's a horrible person. Jeffrey Lunau is an awful person. He's essentially a glorified consultant who doesn't care about people who work for him. He is awful. And there was a coup to get rid of him. Kind of makes me question you a little bit as someone who was so in love with a guy who actually is a horrible person. This is before I knew he was a horrible person. 
So there was a coup inside the Astros to try and get his you-know-what out because people knew this guy's really awful. He's bad people. So this stuff was going on before we even knew it. This is before the cheating scandal. So I guess Drellich had all this information of interviewing people inside the Astros for all these years that then once the cheating scandal broke, he had all he could go back to all this information that he had. And it says in this interview, which is interesting, he uh, Ken Rosenthal, he said to Ken when this started breaking, he's like, this might be the biggest story of our career. Now, knowing Ken, Ro- Ken Rosenthal is a big leaguer. He big leagues everything, if you know Ken Rosenthal. Of course, Ken Rosenthal being the big, I'm not so sure about that. And then Drella said, yeah, once it then went down, Rosenthal knew this was the biggest story. This story was massive. And it was a cover-up. There's a total, total cover-up. We will ask Evan Drellich about this cover-up. If his book, and he knows, and there's whistleblowers all over the place. We hear about a lot of whistleblowers up in Washington. Whistleblowers in baseball going, oh, yeah, Red Sox. Oh, yeah, Yankees. Oh, yeah, Dodgers. Oh, yeah, Brewers. All these people who are inside those teams going, oh, yeah, we had stuff going on. Baseball basically said, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to go after the Astros. We're going to find them the max amount. We'll do an agreement with Jim Crane, fire your manager, fire your GM, and, oh, yeah, we'll contact the Mets. Beltron can't be the manager. Oh, yeah, and Alex Cora's got to go, too, with the Red Sox. And that's it. We'll bring in all the players. We'll give them immunity. You tell us everything that went on, and you won't be punished. And you walk away. The bank robbers got to walk away with the money, their World Series rings, their paychecks, the wins, everything. Just come clean. And so they did. The baseball did their investigation. I wish I had a gavel. Wham! Hammer down on the Astros. And everybody else got... The Red Sox got punished for 2018 Apple Watches. But that was that that was a different deal. But everybody in baseball was cheating, allegedly. A lot of teams were. A lot more than we think. This book is going to tell us that. And there were a lot of people that were... in Because now... We've separated a little bit from that time, right? It's 2023. You've got people who played inside those clubhouses who are no longer in, who are, who are retired. You got quite a few players. You got people. This is an era, right? You think the steroid era, the electronic cheating scandal. Who knows? Like, is this how you know? Because Apple watches. Cameras, technology, using the technology, using video, figuring it out. So, I don't know if it started 14, 15, 16, whatever year. This isn't Ray Fossey back in the day with the Indians with binoculars into relaying signs, allegedly. We love you, Foss. This was, um, this has been going on. And baseball blamed it on one team and then wrapped the bow up and said, it's over. Whoa, 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 whoa. Evan Drellich is coming out with an article here. Guy who is at the forefront of this Astros cheating scandal. Remember, all the Astros people were denying all this. 
And it was Evan Drellich and Ken Rosenthal who kept breaking the story more and more and more and more, forced Major League Baseball and forced the Astros to do something about it. And then they then they flat out lied to us saying that this only happened in 2017. It only happened. The Astros cheated, were successful, won the World Series, and then said, we're going to stop. We're going to stop. Does anybody buy that? Major League Baseball covered up all this cheating and put it on one team, and one team had to wear it. And Jim Crane said it to the KMBR Morning Show, Murph and Mac, off the air, after his uh, – call him up and ask him. After his uh, – after his uh, – at the AT&T, the celebrity part of it, doing the interview in the media room, he, he said that to him. Hey, there was a lot of teams doing it. But baseball didn't tell us that. Baseball said it was just the Astros, and that was it. Total, still a scandal. And I, and I still laugh the whole thing about the Astros. Like, everybody asks, like, how did it happen? Well, you realize, if you have cameras and televisions, right, and they have to connect to each other, somebody had to buy the cameras – Somebody had to buy the televisions. Somebody had to take the camera out to center field. And somebody had to hardwire the camera back to the dugout to the television. Somebody had to lay that, the hardwire, however they did it. They went around the field. They went under the field. They had to hardwire. Somebody had it. Because if you think Alex Cora and Carlos Beltran went to Best Buy and bought TVs and, tele- and cameras and that, and that Beltran was laying cable from center field back to the dugout, I'm not, I, I doubt that Beltran and Cora did that. Safe assessment. Somebody in the organization did it. Someone bought the – and trust me, everything that's paid for, these both – you see, Cody's, this laptop, everything that we have here is accounted for by the organization. They have bought it all. They know everything we have down to the cords. So if they have extra TVs and cameras, somebody bought it. Somebody then installed it. Everybody tried to act like, oh, uh, no one knew about it. Uh, uh, what's going on? What? Everybody knew about it. Don't even get me started. I've done this enough. So we'll talk with Evan at one thirty on Friday. Is anything I'm saying incorrect? Uh, no, but or be, or or fact check me not credible. Uh, no, not that I know of. Which is actually kind of funny. You know, you know, Beltran got a new job, right? No. The they so a team lured him away from Yes Network to work in the front office. Who am I? Uh, are they a team in the United States? Yes. Oh, so it's not like he's the general nope, manager of a nope. team in Puerto Rico. Nope. Uh who am I? Give me a re. Well, I, I got thirty teams to choose from. He had to leave a borough in New York to go to another one. He's back with the Yankees. No, he was with the Yankees at Yes Network. He's now in the front office of the Mets. Well, no, he was the Mets manager. Fired. Then went to Yes Network, and now he's back with the Mets as a front office guy. Wow. <laughs> oh, by the way, Alex Corzell, you know, still the manager of the Boston Red Sox. You can't make that up. He's the manager. He's the manager. He's the manager of the Mets. Never manages a game. Doesn't manage a game. Fire him. They don't put him in the Hall of Fame because of it. He was doing TV for the Yes Network for the Yankees. Yep. And then he got hired as a special assistant to general manager Billy Epler. (laughs) Yeah, right here. Beltran leaving Yes Network for a job in Mets front office. Okay, you know what that says? You ready? 
You know what that says? That Buck Showalter, who is how old? Close to 70, yeah. if not 70? Yeah, he's up there. Look how old he is. Because you can't put him in uniform. Probably still, they don't want to deal with that. No, no, not, not, not audio Buck's uh, availability. Buck is 66 years old. All right. He'll be 67 in May. So Buck's in his late 60s. Who knows how long Buck wants to do this? And in the meantime, you bring Beltron back in. He's a part of your front office. When Buck Showalter is ready to step down, or maybe you fire him, right? Let's say things go bad in New York. Buck can ruffle people's feathers. Wouldn't be the first time he's been fired. Who's sitting there waiting the wings? Beltron. And Beltron's trying to rehab his image, right? He's back with the Mets. Probably get into the Hall of Fame next year with the vote. I, I, I'm assuming the one year we're not making a first ballot, next year he'll go in. Now he's a baseball Hall of Famer. Yeah. Don't, don't. I mean, could be the Mets disappoint. Steve Cohen's spending more money than any team has ever spent in the history of baseball. Fire Walter. He moves right in. Or Buck goes through this year. Maybe they have a good – maybe they win the World Series. And Buck says, adios, everybody. I'm out of here. Thanks for all the good times. Finally got my ring. Beltron, Beltron will be the manager of the New York Mets someday. They love him. That love hasn't stopped. Cheater and all. Oh, yeah, by the way, if Beltron – we'll ask Evan Drellich. If Beltron brought the cheating scandal to Houston – didn't he have to learn it somewhere else? Yep. Or did he just invent it that offseason? Uh, Alex Cora alluded to that in that, that uh, series. In, uh... Answer my question, counselor. Did he invent it that offseason he was heading to the Astros? No. Where was he the year before? Uh, that'd be New York with the Yankees. The only difference is the Yankees didn't win. <laughs> so I'm just saying. Beltron will be the manager of the New York Mets at some point. The end of this year, some point this year, next year, two years from now, Beltron will be the manager someday of the New York Mets. I can see it. Okay. Uh, we want to thank Jim Callis, and we want to thank J.J. Blade. I'm excited about Blade. Good interview. I'll have it posted on. I'm excited. Uh, it'll be up on AceCast, and it'll also be up on our YouTube page under the AceCast Live playlist by the end of today. I mean, I mean, I know he's in Jupiter, so he lives in Florida. Jupiter, Florida is the home of um, <laughs> Tiger Woods, Justin Thomas, and some of the great golfers. I guess it's a great area in Florida. But just from a standpoint of, aren't, aren't you aren't you thrilled to get away from the Marlins? Probably. I mean, besides the weather in Miami. I don't know what else is really. Miami's a great city. Miami, Miami. I'm not South Beach, Miami. It's 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 as advertised. There's no question about it. I've had a lot of fun in Miami. Miami is uh, legit. For they're probably Miami gonna, is legit. They're probably going to finish fourth. You theoretically think they'd be better than the Nationals. But it's always. But coming to the A's, you know, you're coming to. I don't know. Do they strike you as a base? When you think Marlins, do you think baseball? Do you think that this is 
I think Marlins, I, I just think, like, they're an organization that's just one of the 30. Not too serious. Always changing things, changing manager, changing front office, changing ownership. It's just, there's just always, like, you come to Oakland, you know you got a shot. And he's even Blade said, hey, every few years, A's are good again. You can't say that about the Marlins. Marlins have just been bad other than the COVID, the shortened season. Marlins have just been bad for a long time. Oh, 03 was the last time, the postseason for the 2020 it's just year. It's bad. It's just bad. You don't get – like, you come to Oakland with a chance. Like, all of a sudden, like, I'm with this group of young players. You're going to be at spring training looking around. You go, okay, here's Ruiz. All right, there's Seth Brown, Ramon Laureano. I mean, you start looking around and go, all right, we got some guys. Let's go. But it's on the guys to make it happen. But that's what I'm saying. We have some guys now that we can look at and we can go, okay, what if Ruiz can steal a bunch of bags? What if Blade can be a compliment, uh, uh, a, a competitive player? Now you're starting out, you know, you know Seth Brown's going to hit some home runs. Uh, you know, the first base situation, like you start piecing things together saying, okay, I can see how. Last year, you couldn't put the pieces together. It was like, I don't know how we're going to win at all. Now you can kind of see, all right, some things go your way. I mean, what if Blade turns out to be a good competitive player? That's a steal trade. Steal. And you didn't have to pay him the $6.7 million or whatever it was signing bonus. 6.75. 6.75, excuse me. Don't shortchange him. Yeah, Marlins had to pay it. You got a number four pick nah. that you didn't have to pay. Nah, Marlins are paying all your signing bonus. They paid it all. You don't have to pay it. So, I like it. Go listen back to the Blade interview. I thought it was really good. All right, Cody, good to have you back from Vegas. Great to be back. We're back, baby. Soon as the games start on the 25th, we're Monday through Friday, ready to go. Love it. All right, that'll do it for A's Cast Live. We'll see everybody at Friday at 1 o'clock. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's that time of the year. Single game tickets are now on sale for the 2023 season. Secure your tickets for some of the biggest matchups, fireworks, drone shows, giveaways, and more. From opening weekend against the Angels to the 50th reunion of the 1973 World Series team, unique giveaways like pit viper glasses. There is so much happening at the ballpark this season. Don't miss out on other homestands as we take on the Giants, Padres, Yankees, Cubs, and Braves. Visit athletics.com slash tickets to get yours now. That's athletics.com slash tickets. The Oakland Athletics begin spring training on February 25th. Now's the time to make plans to catch us in Mesa, Arizona, and enjoy the sunshine of your family and friends. Buy your tickets early for the best seats at the lowest prices as your green and gold take on the Giants, Dodgers, Padres, Angels, and more at Ho-Ho Cam Stadium. And Tony, it's a deep drive to right in the corner. Gritchick going back. He'll turn and watch it fly. Get your tickets at athletics.com slash spring. That's athletics.com slash spring. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.